Good evening. The presenting sponsor of 30 and Nerdy Podcast is Advertising Expressions. Advertising Expressions exists to promote your business, school, church, or even your podcast, just like they do for the quite fine show, 30 and Nerdy. They promote such organizations by getting their name in front of as many as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. So whether you advertise on your rear window, or wear a shirt so that strangers on a train know where you work, be sure that advertising expressions can help you. After all, I confess that their service is absolutely murder. Contact them today and tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you to see what deals are in store. Welcome to 30 Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Bad Cast Company Productions. I am your host, Tyler Mack, and I am joined by my co-host, the Rev of Rents himself, Logan Roach. Rev, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Could be doing a little better. Been uh, yes. you know, sick for the past couple of days, but you mm. know, put on the nerd pants today put on the nerd shirt i was like i cannot sit back and not give our nerdiverse their dose of 30 and nerdy so i had to come had to come did it did it go through the whole family the sickness well they actually brought it to me so i was just sitting here minding my own the audacity and they come home from greenville and uh brought the bugs so, yeah, it, it started with the kiddos, and then wife got it. You know, I was helping them for the first day or so, and then it hit me pretty hard yesterday. And uh, recouping today, it was uh, it was rough. Not gonna lie, won't go into details, mm-hmm. but I have not, uh, you know, thrown places in a while. But I have thrown mm-hmm. yesterday. So, jab yourself a spit. I uh, had myself spit. Yep, mm. I did quite a few times. I hate it. Like, I'm not afraid of it. I usually like am a puke and rally guy. Like, I feel better <laughs> afterwards. But that precursor 
that you know it's coming. I mm. hate that feeling. Like I would Ugh. rather both my feet be asleep and waking <sighs> up. I would rather stub my toe than that that pre spit moment happen. You're just like, oh no, I gotta get out <sighs> of bed. <laughs> it's three in the morning. Why do I have to get out of bed? Mine too, bro. I, I woke up and I could not keep down ice cubes. So it was, mm. I didn't eat anything until probably like 8.30 that night. And it was just soup. And I could hardly eat like the noodles to go with it because I tried to eat some chicken noodle mm -hmm. soup. So it was like no eating that day either. Now I'm not a man to not eat. <laughs> so glad that day is behind me. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. So we we've last time we talked about the state of the nerddom. We talked about mm -hmm. things going on, the you know, being a year in this pandemic, how it's affected our nerd culture, where we're going, how we've handled it, uh, the evolution of some things in our nerd culture due to the pandemic, uh, whether that be things going digital and stuff like that. Um it was it was a lot of fun, but this week we are talking about twenty five years of Pokemon. As we record this, it's the it's was just the twenty fifth anniversary of Pokemon. It feels like yesterday mm -hmm. when you think about it that these pocket monster cards. And this Game Boy game hit the stores and everybody had it. You know, I mm. remember getting the red version first or the blue version first, actually. And it was the original big gray brick Game Boy that I had. And I mm -hmm. played that thing dead. Mm. Pokemon red and blue and yellow. And... To say, like, when I realized not too long ago and I texted you and I said, dude, the 25th anniversary is coming up. We should, I was like, 25 years. Good mm -hmm. Lord. Like, it's just crazy like to think a, about that it's already been 25 years. I know. I feel like a lot of things is like that. We'll look back and we're like, man, is that really 25 years? How old are we? <laughs> <laughs> 25 years? We've, out, we've outlasted a lot. and uh, We have. Pokemon's just been always kind of uh, there as one of those comfort nerd things that you don't really mm -hmm. realize that's kind of with you, but it's just always been there. Kind of like Dragon Ball Z or something like that. You don't really consider yourself like, you know, a crazy Dragon Ball mm -hmm. Z guy, but it's just like it's always been there. So it's mm -hmm. like I feel like Pokemon's kind of that way because you come home and like, you know, get your snacks, do your homework, and then the 30-minute show would be on right after and just kind of grow up with that kind of in your life always. Even, like, with the cards, like, I remember having them in my pocket, which I didn't care about them like I do now, just, like, the quality because I would just, like, yeah. keep a huge handful and you just, like, stick it in your pocket and you'd be, like, trading it, you know, to your cousins. At lunchtime. At the at lunch school. table. Yeah, yeah. They, then, I remember my fifth grade year and into middle school, the Hamlin County school system banned them. 
You couldn't yeah. bring them to class because they were distracting people. So disruptive. Little mm. did they know cell phones are coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember they're pretty big of like, I feel like that was, I don't know if it's just the South that where we grew up, but I feel like a lot of things that we like like that were like violent or, you know, of the devil. <laughs> yeah. It's because we grew up in the Bible Belt. Maybe, but I don't know if anybody like from the north or other remember, continents or. I remember being in church one day. I was in sixth grade, and the <laughs> minister actually mentioned them, called them little, and and our children are addicted to these little demons on cards, and they worship them, and he tried to to correlate that to worshiping the golden calf in the Bible. And I was like, dude, you're reaching like, can we not enjoy anything? Like you, you want to take our Pokemon cards from us? Cause they're demonic and we're worshiping them. Like, dude, get a life. Like it's like, bro, Charizard is pretty cool. <laughs> Have you seen him? He's a dragon that breathes fire. He can like, fly. I don't know about you, but if I could choose between having a Bulbasaur as a pet or sitting in this pew for another hour, I'd choose the cabbage head dinosaur thing as a pet. I would have him vine whip your ass up and down these aisles. So what did, uh, what was always your first starter? Do you have like a go-to or did you just kind of pick different every time? I pick different every time. Um, mm-hmm. I would beat it and then I'd go back and I'd pick different, but I, I leaned more towards Charmander mm-hmm. just because out of all the elements, fire has always been my favorite. Mm-hmm. It just seems so final, you know, and so <laughs> deadly and like, I don't know. I just and and to be honest, and I know this is disrespectful because I remember when you had that fake Twitter account as Bulbasaur. <laughs> you you were talking about all the disrespect Bulbasaur would get. I, he was always the last thing I'd lean towards was Bulbasaur. No, he never gets any respect, bro. <laughs> he does the grass. The grass never gets respect. That was pretty funny though. <laughs> just go around causing trouble. I forgot what that was. I need to find that. Oh, if you found it, dude. <laughs> oh, the trolling we could continue as Bulbasaur. Especially now, because it's, it's pretty much like its resurgence. It's uh, like 95 all over again right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, the Pokeboom is where it's at. Because, I mean, it's been going strong for so long, man. And right now, like in the... Even in Switch, it has, you know, Sword and Shield that just come up. And even Sword and Shield, um, you can connect now with Pokemon Home. You can do Pokemon Go into Sword and Shield stuff. So it's like they've got every like a pretty great network of gaming. So, like, you can catch things on Pokemon Go, transfer it to Pokemon Home, and then Pokemon Home to, like, Sword and Shield and have that in, like, you know, a bigger capacity in your actual game and play with it so that's insane yeah and you can do like even with the uh, sword and shield now is kind of like where you uh battle 
and find raids and get like higher rated Pokemon and stuff. And it's, they've got just a very advanced like uh, gaming algorithm going on, which is kind of nice. And they just released, I mean, they've got some games coming out that are uh, coming up. Um, they've got Pokemon Snap, which is, I mean, I think we've all mm. played 64, which was awesome. Even like with 64, Pokemon Stadium, where you could plug up your mm-hmm. cartridges to the back of the N64 controller and, you know, battle on TV, mm-hmm. which was super cool back in the day because nothing like that it was had like, come It was along. like you were in the show. You were your trainer in the show and you were taking down these gyms mm-hmm. and all that. But this is just a skim of the surface of what we're talking about today. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about some nerd news that has passed by. And also, I got to sit down with a director of an upcoming thriller movie. It's called Concrete Plans. And I got to sit down with him. We got to play the uh, planning out the time zone because he's over in England. And... I'm here in the U.S., so we had to plan it out like when we were talking over email with his, uh, when I was talking with his publicist, it would all be in parentheses like Europe time, your time, Europe time, your time. Or what if we did this, your time, (laughs) which would be five o'clock his time. Or So I wound up having to get up uh, a little early, and uh, when I talked to him, and it actually didn't happen until 11 my time. I was just up and at him. I was like, did he say nine my time? Or I can't remember which one we actually picked. But that was really cool. It's a thriller movie. I got to see a a sneak of it. I got sent a, a viewer, as they keep calling it. And it's it's the actual movie. But like written in this corner and down here are these watermarks that say like for preview only. So it's not you're seeing it, but you're not seeing it in its full glory, like in the theater or on actual when it actually releases this Friday. So I got to sit down and talk to him and that will be in this episode as well. This is going to be a big episode. So what do you say we get to the show, Rev? Let's do it. DJ Mike Howie, take us in. It's time to nerd up or shut up. Let's get dangerous. Welcome to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Reach out using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can also find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apocalypse and Pod Nation. Got something to say? 
Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com or check out the website at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Now, sit back, crank it to 11. The nerds are here. What's up, guys? Now, we are the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, and we talk about all things nerd culture. If you were wanting to follow along with us, lovely nerds, here's how you do it. We're on all f- platforms of social media, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. And on Twitter, we're doing something cool for this month. It's March Madness yet again. So every mm. night on Twitter, I am putting a versus. March 1st, I did Superman versus Homelander. Superman won, won the big vote. Tonight's, or yes, the second one was Green Arrow versus Hawkeye. And it is so close in the votes. Now, these will be every night for the month of March. I will do one, and the voting lasts 20 hours. So that gives you enough time to vote. So if you're out there and you're following at 30 and Nerdy Pod on Twitter, take place in the vote. It's March Madness, March Nerdness, if you will. And as crazy as it sounds, these are fights that nerds have always dreamed of seeing. What if we could cross the streams? What if Green Arrow and Hawkeye went one-on-one? What would happen now if Superman and Homelander went face-to-face? A lot of people oddly said Homelander. Even though Superman won, it was pretty close starting out, and people would say Homelander because he has no no scruples, if you will. There is no rules for him. He would kill Superman, and he would kill anyone who gets in the way. I was like, yeah, but I don't know. Soups is like Goku, dude. Like, he just always wins. (laughs) So... I, I, I'm definitely on board with that. I can't wait to do these every night. So be on the lookout on Twitter. And while you're at Instagram, my co-host here, he's killing it in the collection game. It's at Rev underscore C-O-L-L three C-T-I-O-N. Tell us how it's going over there at Rev Collection Instagram, brother. What do you got going on? Going good, man. Still going with the... Uh kind of Pokemon vibe and uh, collecting a lot of Pokemon right now. Uh, I'm going through the uh, the great pop purge as we are moving to a different house. I'm trying to uh, get rid of a few like uh, rogue pops that I don't need. So I'm cutting down sadly a little bit. I did get rid of. Now, when you say rogue pops, rogue pops or pops of rogue from X-Men? Well, I did get rid of both of those. <laughs> I did get rid of a rogue pop, but rogue pop says in like I need to cut it down to like maybe two lines of uh pop figures rather than have about 85 different, which I'm still kind of uh trying to contain myself cuz you know how I am as a collector. But I have been selling some, so trying to get back down to a a very nice lineup instead of a uh, widespread I did sell some Fantastic Four, sold some X-Men, sold some My Hero, sold some uh, some extras that I had because I tried to go for like the chase on some of the um, Wing Venoms and stuff like that. So you get like one in a six chance, which I didn't get on the chase, sadly. But I got to get rid of 
all my extras. So I'm thinking about selling some Pokemon too. I don't know. Just the market is very high right now. I'm about to sell like some of my uh, elite trainer boxes. So now's the time. I bought them for a hundred bucks and they're selling for like 220 right now. So I've already doubled my profit. Maybe you can get that Logan guy to buy some. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. Uh, What's his name? Spend- he, he recently made like five million on a sale. Logan Dude, Paul. He's, he's got all the money in the uh, in the world, though. He's just he pretty much uh, bought like that um, first base uh, ETB or the box, a booster box. And it's a first edition shadowless. So he's just like, what's the the holy grail of collectors? Uh, I'll take 10 of those. And you're just like, ugh. Everybody in the collectible game that's been there for a long time, they're just like, they hate him right now. Because literally I've been collecting since I've been a kid, like nonstop. And a year ago, all the cards that I was debating about, like, ooh, $30, that's pretty high, are now like $90 per card. And I'm like, ugh. And all the like boxes and stuff that I was trying to buy like three years ago and I was debating on like, man, I don't know, 50 bucks is high. And it's like <laughs> they're 150. Some of these, dude, the trainer boxes that he's buying are going for 1K right now. And that's of like, that's of like the bootleg style, like the evolution. Um, so evolution is a set that they made that is like an exact replica of like the base set that's in 95 but it was released in like the 2000s, like 2010 and up. So everybody at first was like, man, this set is trash. It's just an exact replica of, you know, the 95 set. Nobody wanted it, but it has like the reverse hollows and it has like your old school stuff. So like the thinking was like, if you're just getting back into it, like most people they are like, you know, I don't collect anymore. Like I used to have them and they're somewhere in a box or I got rid of them somewhere, gave them to my cousin and then they want to get back into them then there's a cheaper way to like come back to it. It's not exactly the base, but it's like you kind of get the sense of it's what you had because it is exact copies. It's just a later model. So then now those have blown up to 1K a booster box. So even like the, the stuff that you tried to get for cheap to just like build your nostalgia is very expensive now. So I mean, it's tough out there. think about when we started, when this when this debuted, mm-hmm. and the, these these starter packs that are you know now pe- people like Logan Paul are spending thousands of dollars on basic stuff so they millions, can bro. resell and make even bigger profit, or just to make a name for himself, just to say, look what I can do with my money. When these came out and we were kids, we could get these at a Kroger or a Kmart or a Walmart for, for next to nothing in the nineties. And now here they are, they've built an empire. Mm -hmm. And so these regular things are thousands of dollars and everyday people can't do that. So it's really opening up and it's capitalism and it's best. Don't get me started. It's, (laughs) it's, it's opening up this world of you have to be a certain tier of, society just to take part in this thing that we used to enjoy and -hmm. it's outrageous it's crazy like right now it's like like i was saying like i've collected you know on and off throughout my whole adulthood as well as childhood 
And even like a year and a half ago, you could go and go to Target or whatever and be like, yeah, I'll pick up a few packs. That's how I am. I'm like, I kind of want to open some Pokemon packs. I'll get like a few boxes or like blister packs or something like that. And then I'll usually like open it, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or wherever it was just to kind of pass the time and see what's new and all that. Now you cannot walk in anywhere because literally everything is dry. Like I've got, I've asked you and Josh, like I've got Jess who works at Walmart on the inside, cannot get his hands on any. I've got, you know, my guys around here in Florida and I'm like, it, you just can't get anything anywhere. I even got my kids at work. I'm like, Hey, you buy a happy meal. I will kick in a few dollars to get, you know, your Pokemon toy. But so it's kind of come to. Even and just like shout out to your kids at Gezos because you just gave a bunch of our 30 and nerdy swag to them, like hats and stuff. And mm-hmm. you sent the little picture of all of them standing around in 30 and nerdy stuff. Yeah, they ate it up. So, I had a box like of maybe six or seven hats, some keychains, and mm-hmm. uh, a few buttons and stuff. And they literally, like when I dropped it, and I was like, hey, here's your stuff, it was gone in like a few seconds. <laughs> I love it. So, I love it. So if you're listening, treat this man with some freaking respect. This <laughs> man, thank you for listening. Thank you for wearing the stuff. We love it. So speaking of your Instagram and the, you being a collector, I thought it would be really cool. So if you go to our YouTube channel, uh, every now and then you will get a Rev's Collection Corner video. So I wanted to do, just for this episode, a Pokemon-themed Rev's Collection Corner. And so that's what this first segment is going to be. So, Rev, in your time of collection, mm-hmm. Pokemon. Yes, yes. What are, to your memory, mm-hmm. the top five cards you've come across? What you would call Grails. Even in mm-hmm. Pokemon cards, you would have Grails, right? Just like you do in Pops. Yeah, there's definitely some that, um, like I have now, that are worth quite a bit. I don't have anything that's like... I mean, I have a few things that are kind of sought after. You get lucky with pools and stuff, but everybody that has come around on collections because we've all been kind of low, like trying to pay the rent or something on our own back in the day. So I've had to get rid of my Pokemon a couple of times, which Mm. I hate so much because now if I had everything that I had back when I was a kid, you know, I could, even not even selling, just having those back again, I would freaking love. Um, But I know... Just like my my base set and my Neo set, I'm like an old school guy. So if all this new stuff, I kind of collect the new stuff to trade for the old stuff like that I don't have and I'm still trying to fill out. So my base set, which is the Kanto region, which is what we grew up on, like Bulbasaur, Mm -hmm. um, Squirtle, uh, Charmander, Pikachu, and all that 151. And then the Johto region, which is like, Cyndaquil, Cyndaquil. Uh, Totodile, and yeah. like that, um, not Bayleaf, I can't, uh, yeah, and stuff like that, that's my favorite set, so I used to have literally everything of that, like all those sets and stuff, so right now, I guess my top five, not in really any particular order, but Mew and Mewtwo is my favorite, like that's, mm. I go, my top three, Mew, uh, Mewtwo and then Slowpoke variants. So any type of Slowpoke, Slowbro, Slowking, that's my mm-hmm. top three. But uh, I have a Shining Mew, which Shining is like your 
uh, one in a million type gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you ever got – sometimes you play a whole game and never even run into a shiny. And then, like, of course, if you play the games, you can go through different processes to breed them and, like, grind all your eggs and stuff like that and get the perfect IVs and finally get, like, a shiny. And, like, the – I don't know if you remember me um, going through Shield, but if I talked to you and Josh during that, like, week, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm just grinding for – my shiny Eevee and it was literally yes. like me playing maybe five, six hours a night, literally just going up and down that bridge with my bike, trying to hatch eggs to pop this Eevee. I finally got it and burnt myself on it or out on it. But just to saying that the Mew card that I have is blue and it's like a shining Mew and it's super awesome. One of my favorite I do have the, um, they have what's called V max now. So it's like a extra power up of what, their final evolve form is so kind of like a super saiyan version of their last form so i have a, a rainbow card which rainbow cards are like secret rares they're like say your charizards are like one in 500 chance secret rares are usually like one in like six or 700 chance and i pulled a rainbow charizard and that's worth like 325 right now i've got my ancient mew which i really love um I did have a base set char. I still have a base set Charizard, which is probably, you know, maybe like 200 bucks right now. And then the things that I used to have, I wish I had, um, are my Neo set. Like I don't have a lot of Neo sets, um, hollows because those things get super expensive. Like the things that I was telling you like two or three years ago mm-hmm. were like 30 bucks. And I'm like, oof, 30 bucks. I don't know. Now they're like 90 <laughs> bucks. And I'm like, damn it. I'm missing like, you know, 60 cards and 60 times 90 is. Don't you hate that? Like, years later, you're like, if I could go back three years and pull Bro, the I do down. that. I do that all the time because literally collecting is like stocks almost now. Like they've turned into like, you got to buy this thing and you got to figure out if this thing is worth sitting on. And is it now the big thing is, is it even worth opening? <clears throat> because sometimes the sealed product now is worth more than what you could pull. Cause like, if you open your sealed product and you get like a small hitter, which is worth like 30 bucks, then you just ruin, you know, $200 worth of profit over a $30 card. And you're like, is it even worth opening now? <laughs> uh, how do you know? It's completely chance. It's all a gamble. It's literally a gamble, which it sucks too, because now people weigh packs. So like if you're a shady person and you're going through, you know, Target or whatever and you see booster packs, literally people have got algorithms to where like this pack weighs blah, blah, blah ounces. And if it weighs heavier than this, like by literally like maybe Action point, yeah, point zero zero two of an ounce more than people know it has like a hollow in it because of the wow. thickness of the card. So everybody likes to buy sealed packs because you can't weigh those or sealed boxes and stuff because you can't weigh those. So people are trying to stay away from like individual booster packs now. Good Lord. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. Cause even like the booster packs, like back from 95, the people will sell them and they'll put the weight beside it and be like unweighed pack. Like it's never been, you know, weighed before. Or they'll have to say it's two point blah 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 for it to be like worth it. It's crazy. It's crazy, man. Crazy. It's definitely not as simple as it used to be. Just to be like, 
I'll trade you my Charizard for a Ninetales because I have an extra Charizard. People now it's like, no, that's worth $300, buddy. That Ninetales is worth 10 bucks. Back in the day, you didn't know. You're like, okay, cool. I've got an yeah. extra one. <laughs> yeah, cool. Why, Why not? not? Why not? It's all so about you've also had. You've also had so many years in the game mm-hmm. of just Pokemon cards before Pops even came along. I mean, it was like, I mean, I, I don't want to say the original collectible for our generation because we also had baseball cards still. They were still pretty, pretty popular. Man, football, football, baseball, yeah. basketball back in the day, man. That's actually coming back too, though. Those, those cards. packages, those packages of baseball cards that had the stick of gum in them. Those, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. those were choice in the 90s. Oh, yeah. So in all these years that you've had it, has there ever been a time where you've just been like, I'm done now. You know, I've, I've put in all this work. Let's see what I can do with this. Let's see how much every single thing to one person would be worth. Do you think you have like a nice chunk? If you said every card, make your offer, every card, and like it's in a binder. Like, mm. do you, have you ever had this moment where you're like, I could sell this and start a college fund for cash? <laughs> or, <laughs> I don't know if it'd be, I don't know if it'd be like college fund because I'm not, uh, I want to get into it, but I'm not big into grading cards yet because I'm always like fearful of, which I think that holds me back to just shipping in general, like pops and stuff, which I need to just get over that and find my groove in shipping and stuff. But um, I say I would have maybe over like 5K probably. Nothing like crazy, but I mean, I've got a few See, choice to me, cards. That is crazy. I could do a lot with $5,000 right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I've like I said, I sold my stuff before and I would keep, you know, a few certain things like in my career, if I saved everything and didn't sell for that and then hit it with it now, it'd probably be over like 10 K stuff. Like if I had everything back, but that too, like if I got a few graded, then it would bump it up. Like the Charizard, if I sent it in um, and got it graded and it scored like nine or 10, it would probably bump that up to like eight or 900 by itself. So, yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And you've also had um, Pokemon Pops in your time of collection. What are, <laughs> are there any Pokemon Pops where you're just like, I'll never get rid of them because of what they are? Do you have the big three, the original three? Well, I don't know if you remember on my collection page, but I actually made an Ash Ketchum and then I made the Squirtle Squad Squirtle so I could have like the yellow main ones so i had the bulbasaur charmander squirtle squad squirtle that i made uh pikachu and then the ash ketchum that i made because they don't have an ash right now and i did make a zombie pikachu as well (laughs) i remember the zombie pikachu i remember always have zombie pikachu looming over ash and regular pikachu like in the background somewhere because i think that's funny but um They've now become distractions for my children. So instead of, I won't let them play with the Squirtle mm-hmm. because I know they'll rip off the glasses like in two seconds, or I would let them play with the Squirtle, but I just know they won't. They like to fight with them. So uh, Bulbasaur is Cash's absolute favorite. Like he takes him and like puts him on the uh, side of the bed at night. Like Bulbasaur is my guy. 
And then he likes Growlithe. He likes um, he likes Pikachu. He likes uh, Cubone. He likes. I've got one of my buddies gave me like a, a Gengar like stuffed uh, plushie, and he likes that too. And uh, Gengar is one of my favorite too. They always scared the shit out of me when I was younger. That ghastly Gengar and haunting because I, I would just be like, nothing is worth smiling that much about. Like, stop <laughs> smiling. If I came dude. across a Gengar in the wild, I'd be like, oh god, I'm dead. This is done. For. <laughs> I've got him kind of reverse because I always tell him that he sticks out his tongue and is like, <laughs> so it's like a cartoon that he's seen before. So he's like, oh, they're just trying to scare you as a joke. I'm like, yeah, that's all it is. It's not like. It's a joke. Anything terrifying. <laughs> they would but, uh, eat you I've though. always like that's always been my favorite though, like Lavender Town with uh, mm, all that music the haunted and stuff. Area. That, that vibe. That's always been my favorite. But they're pretty much like I keep them down on the low bar so they play with them so they don't get to the expensive things. <laughs> so if you could if you're living in Pallet Town. And you've turned of age and you're becoming a Pokemon trainer and you get to pick out of the three. Do you stick with Bulbasaur? Like just immediately. Do you think, yeah, Bulbasaur. Oh yeah. It's my guy. It's always been my guy. Grass. I like it. What if you could choose from any of the original 150? Uh, hmm. No, that'd be tough. It'd be hard for me to turn down a Cubone to walk around with. The Cubone, Gastly, and that combo has always been my favorite because Gastly always made uh, Cubone his like friend because like mm-hmm. I'll, that's kind of a sad story because his mother died and Gastly's mm-hmm. always been his friend, bringing back his mother because it makes mm-hmm. him happy to see his mother sometimes. So it's like that's, that's always been like a dear combo in the Pokemon world. I would have to go with Mew, though. If I could get a legendary mm. right off the bat, Mew is my favorite, hands down. Oh, yeah. Like, I would, I'll the Charizard I have, I would sell that in a heartbeat to get more Mew. If I could choose any of the 150 right up front, even the legendaries, it would be hard <laughs> for some reason. It would be hard for me to not say no to an Aerodactyl. <laughs> <laughs> just this big rock pterodactyl just flying around with me like yeah this is just my aerodactyl here my this rock my pterodactyl oh yeah and it'd be like pikachu just like walking out with you never goes in the ball mm-hmm. yeah just flying around if i feel like i want to <laughs> take a long distance trip i'll just jump on his back and we go to the beach or something not like to hate on like any of the all-stars because i know they carry the the banner but i've never been a fan of pikachu like that and i've never been a fan of charizard like that i just i I like having the card and it's like okay cool but i would get rid of them in a heartbeat never been a fan which is good for me because i'm like the dragon whisperer on packs and i always pull charizards and then i'm always like all right i got the big one now i get like five muse so bring on the good stuff so that's awesome, and you can ca- you can catch Rev's collection corner on our YouTube channel. Various times he does unboxings, 
unpackaging of cards, pulls. He does pulls. I remember our first Revs Collection Corner was when you pulled the rainbow Charizard, I'm guessing. Yeah, because literally everybody on here hated me for it because it was my first um, Champions Path uh, Elite Trainer box. And everybody had bought, you know, at that time, like five or six. Then that's the time I was, you know, I was lucky enough to find both those at GameStop for whatever reason. And I was like, okay, I'm getting that because it's been like forever since I've seen anything. And uh, pulled on my first Champions Path box which is very nice. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. I know. it. That's what it is, bro. Anything like that, it's like, okay, well, uh, you bought one, and here's like the most rarest card you're going to get. So uh, welcome back. And then you spend that amount of money that you would make on that in buying nothing for the next (laughs) year, not pulling anything. So the new uh, set that come out, Shining Fates, is pretty nice, though, because all the uh, shiny Pokemon it has and then has a few good hitters with Charizard. So it's pretty fun, all the uh, pack openings and stuff that's happening right now. It's 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 an interesting world. I, I know that it's a world that I never really got into, like, as deep as you are mm-hmm. or other friends that I have. But I have in my life, you know, I had a full scrapbook. And mm-hmm. when I was in middle school and I would trade and I would sell some and, but it, it just didn't go with me into adulthood, like playing video games did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely find it interesting, like learning new right, terminology. You see, uh, my books right now, I just went through all my bulk and just, I got a uh, binder. It's like a baseball binder, but it had like 900 pages of it. So I put all my bulk in different, um, uh, binders like uh, three ring binders and it looks super nice right now I don't know why that's so satisfying to have them all in order and like in categories like base neo gym trainers and stuff like that but I was like ah this feels so good <laughs> so feeling just a feeling bro I'm just like ah it feels so nice just flip through them I, I don't know what it is I, I can't explain why having pops on the wall that I can look at makes me feel so good. I can't explain like why busting out a Pokemon binder and just flipping through it makes me feel so good when I look at all the old school Pokemon stuff. Cause it, I mean, technically I guess it doesn't do anything for you, but mm-hmm. it just has that feeling of nostalgia or like maybe bringing back some type of feeling of, you know, childhood or memories or what have simpler you. Simpler times. Simpler times. Cause even the games growing up, man, like, I can't remember a better time than playing like Game Boy Colors and stuff. And you have like that weird little noodle light trying to mm-hmm. get light from that or playing as like the street lamps go past. And it's, <laughs> it's so tough. Or you're playing by the moonlight when you're, you know, driving to the beach. And that was just like some of the best times like when you're playing, you know, silver and gold or, you know, X and Y. Like there's so many good times from Pokemon. Like mm-hmm. I, RPG wise, it's, it's hard to beat like in the longevity of everything because it's just so fun. So fun. Yeah. Well, definitely keep up with our YouTube channel nerds. Uh, Cause there will definitely be more revs collection corner coming. So uh, Maddie and I took another little break from season 15 of supernatural. <laughs> um, stepped Pushing away. 14 after seasons, a few you got to take some breaks. 
<laughs> well, we after Star Wars, after I got took her through Star Wars, we then did a few episodes, like four episodes of season 15. And in those four episodes, we already said farewell to two major characters. Mm. And she yeah. was just like, what? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's this is the farewell season. So, I mean, you know, if any of some of these characters lived, then there'd always be the what if, you know, what are they doing? So it is a long season of it's 20 episodes of goodbye. And so to kind of, and I know what else is coming up. And so to kind of regard my heart and treat hers gently with this show, <laughs> we've taken another little break. We've stepped oh, away no. and started Lord of the Rings. Ooh, nice. She's never seen Lord of the Rings. Nope. And we oh, wow. are. Right. You are taking her on a journey right you. now. I am. You and should like, I'm you taking should have her there like and videograph like her emotions, like through the whole things. Like this is Star oh, Wars and, and just be like, oh, ah. there has been emotions. And that's what oh. I've enjoyed is she's feeling emotions watching this stuff that I love this nerd culture and she's mm -hmm. falling in love with the characters the same way I did. You know, that oh. summer I took her through Harry Potter when I took her through the MCU and, you know, she's falling in love with the same characters I did. And when they do die or something bad happens, I'm seeing the same reaction from her. So <laughs> that's a plus. It could, isn't it always like be... funny? Like when you show somebody something that you love, like entertainment wise, you're always like looking, you're like, mm-hmm, they had the same reaction i remember the worst time that i've ever felt like that i messed it up myself because i replayed it and it was on one of our funny movies i was showing my buddy luke um hot rod and i was like bro i was hyping it up so much because me and you love it like we quote it and we watched it a hundred times and then that very first time when he's going on the ramp and he messes up and he just flips over the front flip and just hits up. the van like, he laughed so hard. I laughed so hard. And then I rewound it. And then he like died after that. There was, he wasn't cracking up over anything. I ruined it. I ruined the momentum. It was like, ugh, that's the worst feeling when somebody doesn't love what you love and you're trying to just mm -hmm. enjoy it with them. I was like, ugh. but such a good feeling when they actually yeah. pick it up and just soak it in, which is really cool. Cause you've taken her we, through um, one heck of a like, Oh yeah journey <laughs> i have i have and we are at uh we had to stop at uh we're in the second one we're in two towers and we're at the battle of helms deep and she had to leave so that's where we're at now and so far uh her favorite characters are sam and gundalf and i was like perfect mm -hmm. i agree like and <laughs> in the first movie when Gandalf dies she was like what <laughs> what and of course I'm not going to say like oh but he gets resurrected because she has yeah, finally yeah. seen she saw his resurrection and I was like I told you in anything I show you in nerd culture don't get attached Jeez. to anyone <laughs> just don't it's better off if you don't, but I know she's going to because I still do. 
mm-hmm. even though I know outcomes, I'm like, God, I'm still attached to this character and I know what's going to happen. Why am I still attached? Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm happy with it. She, she likes it. And see, but she had these, these preconceived notions about Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. You know, she would hear, you know, throughout life or like when we first started star Wars, uh, she saw the runtime and she was like, these aren't three hours. I said, no, I've always been told that they're three hours long and weird. And I was like, no, (laughs) this is why I'm showing them to you and not letting you have the notion you've been told by somebody because somebody could easily say, Oh yeah, star Wars sucks. They're all four hours long and and they're just boring and dull, Mm. but just watch it. Watch it for yourself. Outsiders. Mm. They're ruining nerd culture. They're, they're still trying to outsiders are still trying to run nerd culture for us. But it's it's I'm enjoying it. I'd forgotten how much I love Lord of the Rings. It's my favorite franchise still to this day. Is Lord of the Rings. And In, anytime uh, I, I see those questions on social media, like you have to keep two and get rid of one, I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings is never in question. It will stay till my dying day. It is never in question for me. Yeah. It's a, it's a go-to, man. Lord of the Rings is probably more of a go-to than anything that I, which I'm, I've never considered myself like a crazy Lord of the Rings fan, but I say throughout my life, I've put on like Fellowship of the Rings and like watched that through mm-hmm. probably more times than anything. Cause I think mm-hmm. I showed you guys a picture of me and Junie watching it one night when she went and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, we're not doing this tonight. So if you want to uh, stay up, we're watching Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and she's like, <laughs> okay. Okay. She called, uh, she called Gandalf Santa though. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, dad, Santa. I was like, no, that is Gandalf. Not Santa. Here you go to your room. <laughs> Get in bed. But yeah, I thought that was funny. Right when he come up, like with the uh, the wagon, she was like Santa. I was like, no, no, not Santa. But I mean, that's pretty good company though. Gandalf, Santa, they're pretty uh, powerful wizards, I say. Yeah, because Santa's definitely a wizard. That's wizard. He's definitely that's a wizard tree, bro. You can't get all that done not mm-hmm. being a wizard. He's definitely a wizard. Yeah. So I have a, a new nerd vocabulary word, and I thought it kind of goes well with what we're talking about. It's called a weeboo. <laughs> W-E-A-B-O-O, weeboo. weeboo. This one I actually found in a, uh, it's like urban nerd dictionary. Mm. And it's someone whose world revolves around anime and manga. And that's all they talk about 24-7 because it happens to be the first and only bit of nerd culture they fell in love with. Now, these days, if you have a TikTok, most nerd TikToks are made up of weeboos cosplaying as anime characters, trying to speak Japanese, and doing thirst trap videos. Well, just so you know, not to sound old, that's why we call them weebs. Yes. The, the kids have Weaves. shortened that. Weebs. <laughs> Weebs. Uh, so, yeah, Weeboo, Weebs. 
Um, but yes, uh, these days I, I do have a TikTok. Um, and I'll just be going through the For You page and I'm like, why is this on my FYP? Like, I am not that deep into anime and I am kind of weirded out by these girls trying to make anime sexy and try to speak Japanese and make weird faces. This is making me uncomfortable. The Japanese, for their uh, efficiency and uh, business knowledge, they some freaks. Just saying. They are. They some freaks. (laughs) (laughs) This, the animes I have seen, like a little bit of Ghost in the Shell and Dragon Ball Z and uh, a couple of other ones, I'm just like, man, they are they sexualize everything. No, I really like, which I hate at the same time because a lot of them are really good stories, but at the same time, there's like a very like hard stigma of like sexualizing stuff in the middle of it. So mm-hmm. as a married man and having... Peyton know nothing about anime at all. It's kind of hard to like enjoy anime in the open because it's kind of uh, scandalous sometimes because your main characters are just popping out in the open, which I've never really held like, I don't want to say sex in high regard because that's not what I mean, but I don't think it's like as like big a deal if it's, you know, done right. You know what I'm saying? So it's not like a, uh, like a pervert type thing, I don't think. Like, if it's a yeah. pervert thing, that's a different thing. But if it's just like, I don't think sexualizing things, like, is right. But I don't think sex is like as stigmatized as it should be. You know, it's like, yeah, we're all human. So sometimes yeah. anime, you just like the story, but then you're tagged with like the stuff that comes with anime. So yes. it's like, <laughs> yes. Well, so it's hard to explain like- to like, anime is sexualizing things just for the sake of sexualizing it like it has nothing to do really with they could be drawn normally but they do it just to catch our eye and our attention yeah like there's no excuse for balma and android 18 and the sailor scouts to look the way they look there's just well android 18 is pretty normal though they've blown Mm -hmm. her up in like fan arts and stuff like that Yes. She's actually a pretty normal chick. <laughs> she doesn't have like a donk or like any <laughs> busty set. She's just like a normal person. And fan arts yeah. have taken her to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy. And it's just, so yeah. That's There's your, so many good your... storylines in anime too. So it's like, mm-hmm. but it's hard to say like, hey kids, go watch anime too. So. <laughs> and really gonna, this has a killer story. A couple episodes in, the mom's like, "What are you what? watching?" <laughs> I think that's a Bible. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a Bible Belt thing too, though. That's probably, probably. ingrained in us. Probably. Even like my uh, kid, my kids honestly have got me a lot more in anime. And I say kids as in like the kids I work with. Because even mm-hmm. uh, one of the girls there let me borrow her Crunchyroll which is literally like Netflix for anime and it's super cool. And there's a lot of cool things that like it is like, it's just, it's a tiptoe line. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not even going to suggest anything on here because I don't know who's yeah. listening all the way. Yeah, so agreed. Yep. Agreed. So that's Check out your own for risk. this episode. Weeboo or weebs. For weebs. Sure. 
So before we get to a little bit of news, we're going to take a quick break, step away for a second, and we will be back with more 30 and Nerdy Podcast. Hey, everybody. This is Nerd Bomber here, one of the co-hosts of the Online Warriors podcast. Our weekly podcast started as a way for three friends to keep in touch and discuss their passion for movies, gaming, technology, and entertainment. And since then, we've grown into a fantastic online community. Every Wednesday, we release a new episode discussing the latest nerdy news. And then we go hands-on with our weekly adventures and a fun trivia show. Sound interesting? Check us out on every podcast platform, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or hit us up at onlinewarriorspodcast.com. What's up, everyone? This is Adam Leader, Director of Hosts, and you're listening to 30 and Nerdy Podcast. And we're back and we got a little bit of news to talk about. Now, before we go through the the resumes that we've been sent to be new nerd news correspondents, we've got a lot of resumes in, a lot of names to look over, and and there's there's really a a, a good handful of characters that I think we could definitely hire for to do the nerdly news. But until then, it's just gonna be us. We're just gonna talk a little bit. So this past week, we got some big news. Paul White is all elite. All elite, baby. Everybody's all elite. Everyone. Which I think so, it's like a namesake. They're kind of buying. I mean, it's kind of hard, too, because WWE owns the big show. So if you don't mm-hmm. actually see the picture of him, you might not know if you're not like an OG wrestling fan. Watch WCW. You don't know who Paul White is. You don't know who Paul White is. So it's uh, the big I guess show they bought it's the big show. But I guess his Netflix show got canceled and he's like, I mm-hmm. need a paycheck. And WWE is probably going to put him on one of those 50 year old plus legend contracts. So he's like, mm-hmm. why not get paid? I mean, you can't hate yeah, him I mean, for it. You can't hate him for it. And I think it was uh, Ken M who said it best you know he's been part-time for how long now yeah so So long bro it's really not that big a deal well i mean too though he did main event wrestlemania last year technically because he was on the pre-recording with drew so i mean that's pretty Mm -hmm. recent yeah it is and you know and he's one thing i can't get past is when AEW was sold to us, it was the place of the future and young talent. And, th- mm-hmm. and it, we're not going to be like the other guys. <laughs> but, and I think it was, I want to say it was, I was listening to the Three Fat Nerds or ODPH. It was like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That is what AEW is, but... We just hired Paul White. We just paid Paul White. Uh, we've got Chris Jericho running around. Mm. We've got Sting, a 62-year-old man, being powerbombed. So, but so you did you see the Stinger splash Edge. and the uh, the Scorpion Death Drop? Though he looked pretty mm-hmm. good last week <laughs> to be 62. He did, but I don't see where they and AEW fans get to talk crap about Edge winning the Royal Rumble. 
but then turn around and have Sting in a main event and hire Paul White and have Jericho holding your title. And like, you're doing the same thing, bro. You really are. And then for, um, I don't think it was, it was, it might've been Tony Schiavone I can't, or Taz or somebody said, mm-hmm. made some slanderous remarks about WWE relying on celebrity star power with Bad Bunny. And then they turn around and have Shaq wrestling in a match so okay so you can do it but just for the sake of talking trash about wwe they can't do it it's just like what AEW started out as and you know i was i was gung-ho about this Mm -hmm. but this last year dude of AEW, i've just been like you're becoming wwe you're becoming late wcw or late tna like yeah cody wants to make it wcw like really bad Mm -hmm. he's just (laughs) Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I can understand a little bit, but I think the frustration with WWE is it's so mainstream and we've seen it for so long in the spotlight. Because if you ask most normal people who watch WWE, probably don't know who AEW is, if unless they're just a big time wrestling fan, because you're not going to find it unless you stumble upon it. Because, I mean, they're, unless you're in the wrestling, no, it's just not out there yet. It's not as big. It's not even close to being as big. So I think the frustration still comes with like, and me, I'm an edge guy, but I just feel like it's just the same thing over and over again. Even when Punk was there, they got the rock. They got, you know, for two years when it should have been Punk pushing stuff, they have people like Cesaro, which is pretty much the Kurt Angle of this generation, and they don't push him. They have so many good people. And I, I mean, I like the Lashley thing, but he's been in there for 20 years. And it's like, yep. I, I'm really happy for Lashley because I think he deserves it. But at the same time, it's like, oh, he, he just can't. deserved it 10 years ago. Yeah, he deserved it 10 years ago easy. But it's just, they don't push anything new. And like the big talk right now, instead of like Drew being, which Drew is probably going to be his, you know, thing, but people are pushing for Lesnar to come back. Like he was trending right when, Lashley was, you know, the champion. It's like they bring Lesnar back. That's a whole year of just building up nobody for nothing, really. Mm-hmm. That's my frustration because they just never give anybody a chance. I And I like Edge, but Edge yeah. and Roman is just like, I, yeah. I don't think I would pay to go see it. Like, it's just, it seems like another match to me rather than something big. Mm-hmm. AEW, I think they're just doing anything to kind of be relevant, which, I mean, I understand, but it's just – I wish there were something more right now, but at least they're pushing people like, you know, Kenny Omega and, you know, I, I don't really – I like the Darby Allen tag with Sting kind of, but Sting kind of takes away from him a little bit because you're not talking about Darby really. You're just talking no, about I Sting. Love Darby so. Allen. Yeah, he's, you know, something different. Like, a lot of people might not like his emo stick, but, like, who else is doing anything like that? Like, skateboarding mm-hmm. out to the ring and doing his coffin drop and stuff like that. So, at least they're trying to push it. It's just the way they've done it kind of backfired because everybody's just talking about Sting. But, yeah. at the same time, at least he's tagged with a new talent rather than it just being Edge and he's on literally every show for the past month. Like, I've hated that. I've hated how they did Edge. I hated how they did Bianca because they did that for the, a straight month and was like, who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? And he didn't say anything. 
for like a month. And it's like they're on every show saying, I don't know, but I'm about to pick this week. They don't pick. Oh, I'm going to pick this week. No, I'm not. But I don't know. Wrestling, man. Wrestling right now. Which is, I mean, we're going to stick it out anyway, and we're probably going to watch it and enjoy, but I just wish it would evolve. I wish yeah. they, they could evolve somehow. I don't know how, mm-hmm. but they're just still stuck on everybody in the past, which I think, going back to the Paul White thing, I think he's going to be an announcer a lot of the time, which I think he's mm-hmm. very articulate. He's very like a, a very good personality on the mic. Anytime you see him in interviews or podcasts or anything, he's very like warm and informative. I think he'll do great with that. Yeah. Which I don't think he would have had the chance with that in WWE. Yeah. But again, Paul White to AEW, but it's not going to be that big of a show. <laughs> Another big we- thing that we got this past week is Spider-Man 3 finally dropped its title. Spider-Man 3, Sweet Home Alabama. No. Home sweet home. No. There's no place like home. No. Home alone. No. Home improvement. No. Home alone two lost in New York. (laughs) No. Raven's home. No. Daddy's home. No. Phone home. No. Homeward bound? No. I believe in the notes. We're going with Spider-Man. No way home. No way home. Gotcha. Yeah. No way Jose home. Totally about to be my next guess. (laughs) Totally. The internet was pretty much going like that, though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I saw Dropping one that like, said, uh, um, stay home, and it was all on Zoom. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I'm Spider Man zooming out. <laughs> well, at least we got something with it. Yeah, a little name drop. I mean, we knew they were going to stick with home because there was homecoming and far from home. We knew home would be in the title. Yeah, got this. It- Go for like eight movies like that? I don't know, though. Uh, I know that he said that he wanted to play Spider-Man for at least for seven more life. films. <laughs> like, but we I, talked about I, that, too, I, I with get like Chris Evans. Like, why would you not yeah. want to play Spider-Man until they don't want I'd you be, to anymore? If I could be stuck in a comic book character role, I'd give it to me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, leave Iron Man to play Dr. Doolittle? Don't think so. Mm-mm. Nah. Leave Steve Rogers to do knives out. Nah. <laughs> nah. Not me. Not this guy. N- not never. Not never. So not gotta, now. Not know how. I would imagine it means it's it's like he's maybe he's on the run because we know at the end of last movie his identity was told to us. By a dying Mysterio, quote unquote dying, because I don't think he's dead. Um, I would imagine he's, you know, he's on the run. He's probably going to be in court 
where you could bring in Charlie Cox's Daredevil as his lawyer easily. Mm-hmm. Easily. 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 That would be in. so good. That would be like mm-hmm. the perfect, like, just little mm-hmm. nugget of a, like, oh man, that's, that's Daredevil. And it would it's be Daredevil cool. From- Netflix, like we watched it. Why did they, even though it's canceled, they brought him in to play his lawyer. Oh my God, he is a lawyer. Those defenders? What? Are they back? Iron Fist? Luke Cage? Oh. But I just love those. He loved all those. He was so hard in the defenders. I didn't watch any of those. I watched Daredevil. I watched the first season of Jessica Jones and uh, Luke Cage. Punisher was good. Oh, yeah, and I watched uh, both seasons of Punisher. Dude, I love him. I don't know why. He's one of my favorites. Not Punisher. Punisher in general is, but like the uh, the actor. Berthnall? <laughs> yeah. You like him as a performer. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. I like to miss Shane, too. Shane was my favorite mm-hmm. first two seasons of Walking Dead. I know. Everybody hated on Shane, bro. I know. Uh, up next, Paramount Plus, another streaming service. Mm. Continues coming March fourth. The deal, well, they, they got going on. It will absorb CBS All Access. It will include CBS, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, MTV, Smithsonian Channel. <gasps> oh, is that where yes. they're bringing back the Rugrats? They're oh. bringing back the Rugrats. Dang it! So now I'm gonna have to get Paramount Plus. No, with the Bro, they be charging. Cast. Dude, I heard that. Oh, yeah, that's the the animation's a little different, but still the original voice cast. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Dude, that was pretty much our SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. Like it SpongeBob was. was like your foundation for your cartoons. Like growing mm-hmm. up in like the 2000 era, like in the 90s mm-hmm. era, Rugrats was Rugrats. the foundation of cartoons. It absolutely was. It absolutely was. They're also going to have CBS Sports, ET Live, and Paramount Pictures content. CBS Sports, so that's all of college football? Damn near. And if you live where we live, that's the Tennessee games most of the time. Ooh. Dang, bro. They better be charging like $4 a month for all these, bro. I can afford them. You're going to literally have to go through friends and be like, okay, as me, you, and Juice will be like, I'm going to get these two. You get these two. I'll get and these we'll two. Just, everybody we'll has just a share. password. Everybody has a password. <laughs> That's how we're going to have to do it. Who can afford nine freaking stream services? Well, now there's a new streaming service out. So now it makes me feel like I need to do another Stream Wars episode. Oh. Stream yeah. Wars for a new one. <laughs> Don't cross the streams. Don't cross. <laughs> Next up, have you been seeing this uh, Superman reboot stuff that Jar Jar Abrams is going to produce? Jar Jar Abrams. No. Um, poor solo Supermans, bro. Rumor has it that Cavill is possibly either out or it's going to bring in other Superman like the Superboy. Uh, reign of the Superman characters, um, an Earth 2 or Earth 3 uh, Superman of color, which Michael B. Jordan is the favorite to play. Ooh. So there's not really a whole lot of news about it, just like it is, so is it being connected? talked about. 
Is it connected with no Justice League or no? Dude, no idea. DC Daggummit. I know. It's like a spaghetti junction in like New mm. York or something. You're just like, you don't know which way it's going. <laughs> it's I just like need an I 20 all the way across like, the, the take, country. It's like you need to get on the A train so you can get to Manhattan. Or you could take the B train that stops in Queens and then it takes you to Manhattan. But if you take the C train, that's going to take you all the way out to Long Island and you don't want to go all the way out to Long Island. And then maybe like, somebody we already started a movie in Long Island. <laughs> then maybe somebody who is in New York for the first time accidentally jumps on the C train. Like I did. And <laughs> wound just up. Just enjoy the day. Where I wasn't supposed to. Um, so, yeah, I, I just. Are I'm we just in so New Jersey? Of it. As a as a DC, mainly a DC guy, it's it's so tough to see this, the state of things in the DC, EU. You are you still whatever. feeling super confident about a uh, Snyder cut? I'm feeling confident, but it's a guarded confidence. Mm-hmm. So if it does well, yeah. do you think it would just branch off of that and then kind of build off of that one and just kind of completely? delete the, I would. the others yes that's what mm-hmm. i do speaking of blue beetle is getting his own big screen saw that bro movie Ooh. with jaime reyes the best blue beetle out of all the blue beetles uh excited for that and we're getting a constantine series in the works at hbo max which jar jar abrams is also <laughs> in codes with <laughs> Uh, and this all comes because he signed this big exclusive deal with uh, WB where his bad robot production would produce all this DC content. So that's why he's involved with all this DC stuff because he signed a deal. That his company would produce a shit ton of DC content. So it's good. But if there's no connectivity to any of it, is it good? Yeah. No, it's not. And here's a Superman, but that Superman doesn't connect with any Supermans that we've done in the past 10 years. And then here's another Wonder Woman, but it's not connected to the two that you know. (laughs) It's just outrageous. So we also got The Boys Season 3 has started filming. Mm, Dude, I have not seen Season 2 yet. Bro. I need to get on that right now. It's, um, It's logged in, but it's only logged in on... Cash's TV because mom put her stuff in on that TV. Mm. So I'm just watching it. Like I watched the first season in there. So I need to just either mm. get her information or uh, get something going on that. Cause I heard it's mm. awesome. So is two, the one with uh, Dean three, or is that three is the one mm-hmm. he's playing soldier boy. That's going to be fun. He's the the spoof, the dark spoof of Captain America. <laughs> What's the show that was supposed to have John Cena as like a Captain America? Uh, spoof? He's getting hit. He's getting his own uh, Peacemaker series. Peacemaker, nice. Yes. Oh, this is on uh, series, which, like of yes, him? it's his own series that's spawning off of the new Suicide Squad. So he's oh. going to be in Suicide Squad as Peacemaker, and he's getting his own show. Dang. Mm-hmm. Nice. 
So that is kind of connected universe to Suicide Squad, Justice League, Ben Affleck as Batman. So it is connected technically to that DC universe. Batfleck. Yeah. Dude, we want to go get those games. What was it? Uh, Gotham Knights and then the Suicide Squad. I want those out. This year. It's going to be mm. nice. Is it this year? Oh, I can't wait. Mm. It's going to be some uh, nice co-op. We haven't got oh, that in a long time. We've been asking for a good co-op game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. Last little bit of news. Nickelodeon is launching an Avatar studio, which will spawn new Avatar shows and a new animated film. Dang. Probably continuing. Everybody yes, probably continuing Aang's, Aang and them's adult stories. That's pretty cool. A whole studio devoted to... It did for whatever reason, like even people that don't watch anime got into it when it popped on Netflix. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like my, uh, <clears throat> sorry, like my, uh, or Peyton's uh, cousins down here, like mm-hmm. they're 40 or so. And then they have, you know, five or six kids <laughs> down here in Georgia. And they were like, yeah, we uh, started watching Avatar. I was like, y'all like anime or cartoons at all? They're like, dude, this season's awesome. I'm like, yeah, it's really cool. But I was like, yeah, anything to get people, you know, yeah. into the tunes, man. Absolutely. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. To catch them is my real test, to train them is my So let's get into our main topic. It is Pokemon Day. (laughs) That's right. We're celebrating Pokemon Day here at 30 Nerdy Podcast. 25 years ago today, Pokemon, a.k.a. Pocket Monsters, debuted in Japan with Pocket Monsters Red and Green. The core games were released in generations, each with different Pokemon, storylines, and characters. While the main series consists of RPGs developed by Game Freak, many spin-off games, based on the series, have been developed by various companies, encompassing other genres, such as action, role-playing, puzzle, fighting, and digital pet games. It is the world's largest media franchise with a successful anime series, movies, and merchandise. With spin-off games, Pokemon Go have crossed 1 billion mobile game downloads worldwide. By November 2017, more than 300 million Pokemon games had been sold worldwide on handheld and home consoles across 76 different titles. Now, flash forward to today, as of last year, 368 million units have been sold worldwide. This makes Pokemon the third best selling video game franchise behind Nintendo's own Mario and Tetris. So Nintendo 
has the top three most selling games with Mario, Tetris, and now Pokemon. Dang. Of all time. That's crazy, though, man. After even like in the 2000s to 2010, like we did on uh, the game episode, if you check back in Mm -hmm. the archives, it feels like Call of Duty has been going strong for like Mm -hmm. decades, but Pokemon's been holding it down because you got to think, too, like the sales aren't just, you know, in America, it's just worldwide. Mm -hmm. And that's just a beloved title everywhere. Yes. And what's crazy is we're so entranced today by the console wars of Microsoft and Sony that we're completely forgetting the argument that Nintendo, who the only quote-unquote console they've had is Switch, still holds the three top titles in video game history. And they're not in the main console war. They're not (laughs) releasing a console like an Xbox. They don't have a Nintendo console coming out. But they still hold the title of the top three best-selling games. And they haven't had an actual console since the GameCube? The Wii? Yep. Mm -hmm. The Switch is... uh, I mean, technically you could have it on the stand, but I I know what you're saying. It's like they are never included with like the the top dogs. It's always PC, Mm -hmm. like PlayStation and Microsoft. But it is interesting. They keep the uh, KISS philosophy, the keep it simple, stupid... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then uh, just go with you know fun nostalgic type stuff because even their titles and stuff which they get kind of you know some flack for it they have like a simplistic type style but things like animal crossing and like pokemon they're very simple but it's just mm-hmm. very like you just dive into it man and you there's a lot of like soul to it so yeah. you just become immediately attached to whatever nintendo has and even if I'm mad at Nintendo for not releasing, you know, the games I think they should or mm-hmm. put out, you know, like the remakes, I'm still buying it when they put it out. Like I'm never, I'm, if I had to be like a guy, like I've had a bunch of stuff that I love, like Xbox with Knights of the Old Republic or Grand Theft Auto with PlayStation, but I am always going to be there for Mario Kart. Nintendo guy. Going to be there for Smash. Going to be there for Zelda. Going to be there for Pokemon. Well, I mean, it's like, name me like our generation, somebody that didn't like the Nintendo 64 and has billions of memories on the 64. Like you bring that up today and everybody's like 64. That's my favorite console of all time. 64 Even if I'm mentioning down. like Turok or Jet Force <laughs> Gemini, you know, lower B and C list games, the 64 encompasses all gamers' memories if you got to play it. And it even newer generation of people mm-hmm. who maybe their dad has a 64 still or their you know older sister's boyfriend plays it and they get <laughs> to play super smash even they will be like man you know the graphics are different it, it is different than my new gen but these freaking games are solid but and too like pokemon has like a, a very weird setup that's like hasn't changed much in the past, no? like, 20 years. Like, you have... If it ain't broke, genius, don't fix it. <laughs> well, they have a genius style, too. It's like they release two games, literally the same game, and you get exclusives on each of those games. So mm-hmm. people are going to buy both those games as they release, 
if it's, you know, they buy it and beat the one and then get the other afterwards just so they can have those exclusives. But you got, you know, red and blue, and you had yellow to branch off of those red and blue. You had silver and gold. You have X and Y. You have sword and shield. Yeah, I mean, it goes on for years, and they introduce, you know, new regions and stuff. But it's like, it's basically the same premise. And you get, mm-hmm. like, little pretty much it's upgrades on the graphics, like your moves and stuff. Yeah, so instead of the like blueprints, smack, the same. Yeah. But it's, it's so either nostalgic or engulfing with the, uh, mm-hmm. or consuming with the, the content. You're just like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've probably bought damn near every Pokemon game that there is. I bought a DS just to have Zelda and Pokemon I bought, you know, a, uh, 3ds so i could have the remakes of you know pokemon um x and y and then i mean i'll probably still buy whatever they have i'm wanting a a switch light and i already have a switch so and that's just like the handheld version i'm literally i tried to trade my charizard for a a shiny mewtwo and a a switch a light switch the other day and my buddy didn't pull the trigger but still trying to get that deal going off it's just Nintendo's, it's legit, man. Too legit to quit. And as it talks about generations, we've got first gen, which went, which went from 1996 to 1999. Second gen from 99 to 2002. Third gen from 2002 to 2006. Fourth gen from 2006 to 2010. And then when we continue on with fifth gen, 2010 to 2013. Sixth, 2013 to 2016. 7th, 2016 to 2019, and we are currently in the 8th gen of Pokemon. So they've got this three years. Every three years is a new Mm -hmm. gen. So they're getting three years of longevity out of each generation in all the Mm -hmm. media, whether it was TV series, movies, games, cards. And then the next three years... TV series, movies, games, cards. Blueprints the same. They repeat, 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 repeat. But new faces, new creatures, new characters, and people keep coming back to the well, which is why Pokemon is one of the most successful titles in all of media. So Mm. it's just insane that we kind of talked about how the blueprint doesn't change for Pokemon, but it's it's a titan Mm -hmm. of nerd culture. It's crazy. Well, and they just uh, announced too on the uh, Pokemon like announcements that um, uh, Diamond and Pearl was getting a remake that's going to release on the Switch. So they're going back to the well even more with just remakes now. And people are, it's the uh, Sinnoh region, and I'm for it. I'm probably going to buy it (laughs) because it's going to be updated for the Switch. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's not exactly like blowing you away with graphics. I mean, if they did that with everything, like just gave me a yellow, gave me, you know. Could uh, you imagine if they went back and gave us a red and blue with a graphics card of Breath of the Wild? Dude, I know. They've, uh, have you seen the, like the updated um, graphics with just Ocarina of Time, like in the new mm. engines? It's beautiful, bro. I, but I don't think they could do that on the Switch. That'd have to be like PC or, or, bring the console into the war <laughs> i don't think they'd do that but no they're done with consoles dude 
consoles. But it's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in uh, RCS is coming out too, Legends. It's uh, pretty much the RPG uh, god Pokemon um, mm-hmm. that's coming out. So it's pretty much going to be like Breath of the Wild, but you are sneaking up on Pokemon and throwing the balls. You've got like your main Pokemon beside you roaming the, the land. And it's pretty cool. If y'all haven't checked out any of those, I would go look up all that because it's really cool. Especially like if you've are into Pokemon now, definitely go check out some of these old school games too. Cause they're the games oh, yeah. themselves aren't that expensive. Like the Ruby and Sapphire. And if you want to wait too, like the diamond and pearls coming back this year, it's just a lot of good content. I'm, I have a hard time, to be honest, though, keeping up with all the Pokemon because there's so many now. <laughs> so, oh, like, so many. I'm pretty sure. Is, is, isn't is it 150 every generation? Uh, Almost. Uh, I think Neon is like 100-something. Every, like, big set, it's usually like 150, something like that. So there's probably upwards of 1,000-something right now. And some of them are... <laughs> The silliest of things. Yeah, like Trubbish is just a trash bag with eyeballs. <laughs> I get he just he's literally he's literally trash. You need to look him up. I couldn't name you anything after second. I couldn't personally. It's tough too. Um I've got a few favorites in like Gen 3 and stuff like that. And then um this new one since I was involved with like sword and shield and sun and moon and stuff i know a few of those so but these new pokemon are pretty cool like if you played sword and shield uh, you just have to play the games and then you yeah. start learning everything but like if you're coming in new and trying to just memorize all these guys there there's way too many <laughs> well that's why the the key after every episode of the original series was the pokemon rap at the end of every episode <laughs> and they learning that it kind of reminded me of being even younger kid when animaniacs when yakko would do the capitals or the cities or the countries pokemon did that with us they'd be like all right are you ready for the next five pokemon for the next ten? get your pokemon ready and be like it all started like in in it helped us. We were like, okay, so that's what he looks like. And by the end of it, after a year or so of that, we could do it by memory. Mm-hmm. We could do the entire rap by memory. So I would tell my teachers and all that and be like, uh, this show helped me with memory work. Like if you all would teach me math facts the way that they taught me all 150 Pokemon, I'd probably be a better math student. If you did it in their style, I'd be a better math student. That's probably why we know all the lyrics to like every song is because like in, mm-hmm. when we were little, we had all kinds of cool like theme music Absolutely. and outros. That's what it was mm-hmm. all about. Obviously, there is no touching the first gen. Especially no, for our age. The, yeah, just that that fresh, like that it was first. It was the original. It's the OG. It's like talking Star Wars. You know, nobody will say that any of the other six films will ever touch the original trilogy. The Hobbit was pretty good, but it'll never touch Lord of the Rings. You know, like all the Harry Potters are great, but that first one, man, 
mm-hmm. something about it. Aside from that, since it, I, it's basically you might as well make it off limits when comparing gens. And I don't know much past second gen anyway. So is there a problem with this much? Do you think that with so many now, mm-hmm. with upwards of a thousand different Pokemon existing across eight generations across 25 years in 25 years we have upwards of a thousand creatures just randomly created by these minds do we get to a point where we're like okay you can stop with pokemon like you can stop either reboot or just give us a bunch of the same stuff like do you see an end 25 years eight generations Upwards of a thousand of these random creatures that some people are sitting in rooms creating names and what they look like. And you said one one was literally a trash bag with eyes. So someone was probably in their office and just looked at a trash bag and went, I got an idea. Yep. <laughs> I've got one. And they're just I've like, Carl, one. God, that's why we keep you around, man. I mean, in the, this gym, there's an ice cream cone, too. When he evolves, he turns into two ice cream cones. <laughs> So it's going to get a little weird. Two ice cream cones. (laughs) Two ice cream cones. (laughs) I don't, I don't know, man. I'm the wrong person to be asking because I love it. Like, um, I mean, I bought sword and shield. I bought the DLC for it. So everybody was kind of doo-dooing on this one a little bit just because of, it was kind of, kind of uh, created for a younger audience. So it wasn't as challenging as the old ones. Um, because you could probably, you know, take your main Pokemon and just level him up and pretty much deal with most of the field with that. But at the same time, it's just, there's something about that style of game. Like if you ask me if creating another Zelda game, you know, would be a wrong move, I would never say no. Pokemon is in that same kind of category where... That's true you have a new pokemon or if you have a new card set or if you have a new um you know whatever uh console with a new pokemon game i'm going to be there just because i just like the system i like the system i like to collect it i like to collect the memorabilia of it i like to to play the games like i i know that we're not you know face-to-face playing pokemon games but you know there's something about too like back in the day where you could just, you know, hang out with your buddies. You could have like the Pokemon book and then you're going through everything, trying to catch all those. And then, you know, one of your buddies buy one game, one of the your buddies buy the other game and you trade like exclusives. And we used to have like the system links and stuff like that. So it's just always held a special place in the old heart of Rev. So I, I even with all like the crazy weird Pokemon that they come up with. I still, there's still some hitters in there. So just mm-hmm. like the packs, man, most like 90% of the time, you're going to put that in the bulk pile, and probably send it off to the Safari zone to get all your cash ins <laughs> back. But um, other than that, it's just, you, you live for the hitters. So like, you live for the special moments on the things that you, mm. you know, like to do just like with, I mean, anything really with sports, like if you're hanging in there with, you know, a sports team and then for whatever reason they hit it big and it's a magical season and they win, you know, a championship and it never happens before, you hang on with it because there's a chance of that happening. And it's just – that's kind of the gamble of Pokemon, I think, with, mm-hmm. with cards and with the games. 
you you know the system, but just those for the moments that you kind of want from it, even like going up to like battling the Elite Four, getting like your Pokemon champion. It's just like even something as small as that and completing the game, you just you're live for it. The fact that I can't ever forget the rare candy cheat. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. go to On Viridian Cinnabar. City, go to Viridian City, let the old man show you how to catch a Rattata. Then you fly to Cinnabar Island and surf up and down Cinnabar Island, mainly on the <laughs> west coast of Cinnabar Island. And you come across a Mr. Gnome and you beat the Mr. Gnome. An unknown, yeah. And whatever your sixth item is in your mm-hmm. items list. Blast it up to like 100. <laughs> yes, you can. Well, like you can infinitely. Like, so Just when you get that candies. one master ball. Yep. <laughs> when you get that one master ball in the game, just do the cheat and you can have a hundred master balls. And a master ball, no Pokemon can break out of. So I'll never forget that cheat. I'll never forget that cheat. To the day I die, I will always know that trait. Just like in GTA 3, I'll always know R1, R2, L1, R2, left, down, right, up, left, down, right, up is unlimited guns. My favorite cheat in GTA was always giving. Uh, civilians like <laughs> weapons and then making them go crazy I love that so much and just watch everybody Gosh. just go crazy I know <laughs> and you're just sitting back somewhere hiding just watching <laughs> it all unfold like good good release your hate just in my tank with my Walkman on listening to Dr. Dre just freaking rolling around watching chaos happen I always in the loved I always loved Flying car cheat because you get yeah, to a, so stupid, a certain speed and just whoo, just take off is the most chaotic thing ever. It's just one of those things, though, man. Just it's just a, a thing that I think, even like with blockbuster style, like I remember going mm. getting Pokemon Stadium, like in those type situations. So it's just a nostalgia type thing, I don't think will ever go away. Pokemon is just in one of those top five, top ten like slots in my past, in my childhood Mm. that I've always loved. Or even like playing back in the day when Walmart had like the um, little TVs and you could play like the games up there. You could play trials of the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. While your parents were walking around Walmart, you would just sit there and play for the entirety that it took them to grocery (laughs) shop. They knew where you were. They'd just leave you at the Game Boy station and you'd start a new game of Pokemon and you could probably be to Brock or Misty's gym by the time they were done. I'm saving this. Don't anybody touch it until I get back. Because <laughs> at that point, they're not demos. You're just playing the game. Yeah, you're just playing the whole game. So you talked about uh, the reason it won't go away is the nostalgia, the memories. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some of our favorite Pokemon memories. Let's start with the Game Boy, where it all began. Mm-hmm. Red and blue in America were the the first two released mm-hmm. uh, for us, and there was a green version. And so you had red, blue, and green versions. We just never and, got the Bulbasaur release because everybody duty yeah. on him. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's why it wasn't actually them. It was their third. It was Charizard, Blastoise, and uh, Venusaur. Uh, we're on the cartridges, but 
there was some shenanigans there. Green didn't really take off in the U.S., and I think it's all because it was Bulbasaur. <laughs> Maybe. The hate Maybe. was there early. Yeah, I got to send you this uh, <laughs> this clip. Me and my buddy uh, Paco over here, he always sends me this clip. It's of Squirtle and Charizard talking about how awesome they are in Blastoids. He's like, I would definitely beat you because I'm water. He's like, yeah, well, that doesn't really mean anything. And then Venusaur just walks up at the end. He's like, hey, guys, where are you going? Well, you want to hang out? And he goes, shut the F up, Venusaur. Nobody likes you anyway. And they just walk off. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> I got to oh, send you Lord. that clip, bro. It's so funny. <laughs> I got to find it again. Did you have the original Game Boy or did you start out with color? I had the original. I didn't, I don't think I had Pokemon on that one though, because I think it was uh, my uncle's at the time. And he had like Tetris, he had some sort of baseball game. And I guess the first brick one that I, I uh, bought, and I think, or not bought, but played on. I think I started out with um, color. I had like a teal mm-hmm. uh, Game Boy color that, I well, I didn't buy, but my parents bought. <laughs> That's a good thing about being a kid. You just wheel and deal. You're like, ah, I just need this. Like people are, you know, people are playing it at school and, you know, they're talking about you gotta it. You got to be a part of the crowd. You got to be part of the crowd. I'm going to be, you know, if I, I don't have this, I'm going to, you know, be <laughs> lagging in development, you know, social status. And, you know, we you just got to be the loser at school, mom. <laughs> Do you? Like we gotta I have probably, I will probably have more DUIs when I grow up because you didn't <laughs> buy me Pokemon. I will be, I will be so behind, socially, economically. You want me to have spiritually? <laughs> so I was playing it naturally. Uh, I've got a Game Boy at that point. <laughs> naturally, Sa- Sandy was like, "You're right. You're right. Definitely don't want that for you." have a great mother and she bought me a game boy color and then i had game boy advance and then mm-hmm. game boy advance i loved it too i liked it too because they still made new games which was like those thin slot console uh games but you could still play the old school games as well mm-hmm. so they didn't change up the actual lock-in cartridge it was just like the, the small mm-hmm. or the uh larger ones so yeah so we've talked quite a bit about the cards already Let's talk about some more of the games. Pokemon Stadium. I enjoyed Pokemon Stadium. It was your first, aside from it being straight up VR, which one day we will have, mm-hmm. to where you're the trainer and it's VR and you're in <laughs> you're the just world. slinging one Pokemon everywhere. Will, yeah, you're just slinging Pokeballs, catching stuff. Bro, I'm just waiting for Tony Stark glasses. You put those glasses on and you just sling stuff with your fingers. Mm-hmm. And you play like that. One day. One day. Mm. So Pokemon Stadium was great, but I would probably have to say for some odd reason, I liked Pokemon Snap better. Dude, Pokemon Snap was the stuff. I loved it because all of those like secrets that you could find, like you give mm-hmm. you know somebody an apple or you throw this piece of thing into the volcano and then a Moltres will pop up and like all the yes. secret stuff was The pester cool. ball. Yeah, and just like all those little secrets that you could, you know, evolve, you know, the Magikarp mm-hmm. into Gyarados, and it was so cool. It was, uh, 
very simple because you didn't move really. You just looked around and no. like you could throw took things, pictures. just took pictures and threw things to try to make them evolve or do things. And this new one looks really cool, like all the world and everything in it. So I don't know if it'll live up to the old school and just because like we mm-hmm. talk about all the time, the nostalgia of it. And the Pokemon Stadium too, though, man, is like I was saying um, earlier, it's just cool to see like the Game Boy from red to like yellow, the moves were a lot cooler. So in, mm-hmm. instead of it just being like a, here's a flame that goes across, it would be like the flamethrower would like actually jet from his mouth. So to see it be put on the stadium, you're like, bro, this is what actually a flamethrower from Charizard <laughs> looks like. It's just engulfing the whole screen in flames. So this and is stuff. what it looks like when they actually dig under us and come up from under us and hit us or when they yeah. do fly or vine whip. What it or psychic like. and it's like moving the whole screen and going mm-hmm. crazy. It's it was super cool to see it like in 3D in full color and it was awesome. I love both of those. I actually just remembered one that would replace Aerodactyl for me. I would have to have an Arcanine. Arcanine, just oh yeah, a yeah. Big damn cuddly dog that if <laughs> things go sideways, you can just look at him and say flamethrower. It go it, he goes to town on your enemies, but then but then you know you give him a treat and he lays down he's, on the floor or something. <laughs> I know he's, he's like a dog having, again. Uh, yeah, I think honestly he's probably in a fire type Pokemon. I say he's in top five. Mm. Everybody's he he's a very like popular fire Pokemon, and that speed he'd always attack first because of his speed. He'd always mm-hmm. dodge of his speed super quick mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. like having a dire wolf Ooh, he really is it's like having a dire wolf so let's talk about pokemon go is it still as big <clears throat> down there as it was a year ago oh yeah well um it's i don't think it will ever be as in big. the cities in the cities it's it's lasting still here it's dead it's dead in really? most times yeah, it's um, nobody has it on their phone anymore. It just depends because there's a lot of groups that you can get into. So like a lot of um, like a twit, not Twitch groups, but um, it's escaping me what those groups are called. But they uh, you just kind of get into the uh, Pokemon like McDonough or Pokemon uh, Griffin. And it's like a whole bunch of raid groups that you can get logged on. So if you get in good with these groups, like you'll know when people are hitting the raids and stuff. And then my buddy is actually the GM of uh, the store. He is like crazy hard into it. <laughs> like he's, we'll have uh, Pokemon meetings talking about like the upcoming, you know, um, events. Cause they still, honestly, man, that game is so well kept like with the updates and how you can do um, Pokemon days, which it'll be like, uh, Moltres is coming out and raids again, so you can raid him so you can get him and complete your Pokedex. Or, like, Bulbasaur will be on a Pokemon day, so all of the Bulbasaur spawns will kick up, and then you'll have a chance mm-hmm. to catch that shiny Bulbasaur that's kind of like that uh, lime type green. So, it's it's really cool to catch like the shinies and stuff like that, and which is kind of incentive too, because, like I was saying, you can connect that with Pokemon Home. And then you can put it in the actual games that you play with the Switch. I actually talked him into getting um, 
uh, Pokemon Sword, which is the new game for the Switch. He freaking loves it, man. He's uh, he's all about the raids, and he has Pokemon Go. He's like on a whole different level than I am. He's like probably ten uh, trainer levels ahead of me. Has tons of stuff like all the legendaries and rares. So uh, my buddy Paco, when he was working with me, he would keep me on it. Now my GM is keeping me on it. So I, I always have to like re. Um, download not download but just update my app because i'm never on it until they tell me like hey you need to log on today and get your stuff <laughs> but uh it's still fun man it's really fun um i'm not on it like i i was because that like first couple months of pokemon go i don't think there'll ever be anything like that like people out in the streets and stuff that was a crazy insane, time dude and it was also cool to see like almost everything stopped like people weren't getting on their facebook to bass each other politically they were you know they were out and about getting exercise while walking catching pokemon and <laughs> people were meeting each other on the on the streets and who were probably still friends today and the first time they met was at frank Lorino park during an event and now they're Honestly, probably man, still friends today like, um... like I see a lot of people on the message groups and stuff saying like they have, you know, friends and family, you know, so to speak from that, just like raids and mm -hmm. they'll meet up and that's how their connection was. And that's how it kind of blossomed. And it's definitely pretty cool to see. I remember me and Peyton and no one, when it came out, three of us would, we had it downloaded and we were all on Valor and we would just take these summer walks and just <laughs> just the three of us just together or we would drive to cherokee park and walk and i was like this is bonding like this is great this is fantastic and we're playing pokemon like i've got my sister playing pokemon <laughs> with me and like the three of us you know different interests different loves some of the nerd culture skipped went over nolan and he you know he was not He's not as big into the comic book stuff as I am, but he did he's like a, Dragon Ball Z. Gohan was he's his a favorite. Dynasty Warriors and Dunn type yes. of guy. Yes, he's a <laughs> Dynasty Warriors and Trig type of guy. But all three of us just bonded over catching Pokemon on our mobile phones. And I was like, this is like, it's almost, it stopped the world. Everyone across the globe was doing it, getting exercise. And it was crazy. It was like looking back at it now what it did i was, was like, like i don't know if we could ever do that months. again yeah like i don't know if we could what get other games has done that besides pokemon that's true and one of my uh, buddy's favorite quotes that i've ever said we were walking around the park and i was getting nothing everything that i was trying to get like was escaping and everything i was like bro at this point this is just exercise <laughs> <laughs> not getting anything we've walked eight miles and i am exhausted but yeah, he's always cracking up. He's like, you know, play Pokemon Go. And he's like, at this point, it's just exercise. And getting out there, whatever. <laughs> I might be only running across a thousand Weedles, but I am getting healthier. Sunshine. Why not? We had some, some pretty good movies pop out of the first gen. And the series was obviously phenomenal. Um meeting characters like Ash Ketchum and Gary, ugh, Gary mm. and Misty and Brock and even Team Rocket. 
uh, with oh, yeah. with Jesse and James. Um, uh, it 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 put it in a different medium for us to where it wasn't just in our hand and we weren't mm-hmm. just playing it. We then got to see the world. You oh, know, yeah. we got to see him him catch his first caterpie and then have to release it and you wept because he loved butterfree so much but it was he had to let him go be with his kind and <laughs> i was like so let me ask you this well and who too you i don't know to get to pick and choose who you let free <laughs> and who you keep i'm sure your charizard would love to be free but no, we've got to have. Well, him. remember he did uh, let him go free because he was unruly. He had to go to Charizard training school there for a little bit. <laughs> That's true. He kept he catching him on fire. Him. Yeah, he'd go <sighs> like burn him. <laughs> <laughs> and two, I don't know if you remember this on the first uh, shows too. Like very first show, he saw like this like magical bird go across the sky. That's hoo ho, ain't it? Oh, oh yeah, it was. Uh, oh, oh yeah, technically a Gen two, so that was like a precursor, like a Thanos type mm-hmm. deal. It is in the very first that of the season. Fondly, I remember mm-hmm. him seeing him at the seeing that legendary bird, and him telling people the story occasionally, and then being like that that doesn't exist. We've never seen anything like that. You're crazy. Maybe yeah. you saw something else or a glare. Classic of How to Train a Dragon. Yeah, but no. Then we get to meet. Ho Ho and Gen Two with Lugia. Maybe Pokemon was the the first phase. The first, out the there. original phase blueprint. <laughs> and he's like, "Listen, Clyde, he'll mean something down the road. We've got long term plans for Ho Ho. Wait, what? You already have it named, dude. Just let us do what we do." That bird will come back into play down the road and everyone and will lose their shit when they see it. And they're going to reference episode one and they're going to be like, Ash wasn't crazy all along. It was Agatha all along. It was Agatha all along. Dude, I love those memes. They go with everything. Game of Thrones season eight was the funniest. <laughs> that was so funny. I hate Agatha now more. <laughs> Juice had a good one earlier on One Division. He said, uh, "It's a meme of Agatha, and she's like, and I stole the election too." It's <laughs> hey. a nice one. <laughs> it is a good one. <laughs> mm. And I put microchips in the vaccine. <laughs> mm. yeah. Agatha did it all. Agatha all along. It was Agatha. It was never that damn Sasquatch. It was always Agatha. It was Agatha. <laughs> Dang it. The only thing I feel bad about is I feel like this is like a, a classic Miz situation where everybody was kind of happy about it. Like we don't really, haven't really talked about the mid or the late generations too much. <laughs> We're just on the one and two, but yeah. well, I, I feel like that's where. about the late generations because I dropped yeah. out. But apparently I mean, they've gone to trash because there's literally a trash bag Pokemon. So, <laughs> ice, but, cream uh, ice cream guy, he's he's pretty powerful though. Ice is pretty nice. The ice is nice. You can't go wrong if you're just starting out or if you don't know what Pokemon is or you're just trying to get back into it. Just get 
any piece of Pokemon history. Play it. Play the card. Card game is fun too. Me and uh, they have a like game that's actually online that you can play. And each pack that you buy has a uh, code card on it, so you can put that code and get free packs online and actually create your deck. Play the card game, which I know a lot of people don't do that because they just collect, but. Uh, few buddies down here actually played the card game and it's pretty pretty fun That's so. smart cross platforming mm-hmm. pretty smart well what do you all think are you huge pokemon fans is it hit or miss for you do you still collect do you still play the games are you still got pokemon go on your phone do you still watch the show and the movies let us know hashtag 30 and nerdy pod on twitter And uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I get to sit down with the director of Concrete Plans, an upcoming horror movie that comes out March 5th. And I can't wait for y'all to hear that. We'll be back in a quick minute with 30 and Nerdy Podcast. What's up, nerds and nerdettes? This is Tyler Mack from the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. And I'm here to talk to you about our Patreon At Badcast Company Productions, there is something going on at all times, no matter if it's deleted scenes, blooper reels, exclusive shows, brand new shows for 2021 featuring different hosts. There is always something exciting going on at patreon.com slash badcastcompany. And if you support today, Even at just the $1 tier, you are going to get exclusive bonus content like cut scenes, deleted segments, funny bloopers, entire gag reels, exclusive Patreon shows like WandaVision Wednesday, Mandalorian Monday, and whatever we can think of at Badcast Company Productions. So tune in today, patreon.com slash badcastcompany, and help us change the game of podcasting Forever. Hi, this is Will Jewell, director of Concrete Plans. You're listening to 30 and Nerdy Podcast. A disparate and rugged crew have come together to renovate an opulent mansion for the last heir of a once wealthy military family. Three months or completion penalties will kick in. Get back to work now. Well, it's just that the money to cash flow the material, you know, pay my men, it's three weeks overdue. Broke, living in squalor and battling their own personal demons, the crew find out the owner plans to cheat them out of their cut. Tensions begin to rise. Soon, one by one, the men snap, turning on their boss, their employer, and eventually, each other. He's making a mug of you, Bob. I'm gonna get it any day, right? Any day, I promise. There's something about him I don't like. I want you gone. There's a decent chance they go bust anyway. Written and directed by Will Jewell, Concrete Plans will have you on the edge of your seat and won't let go. Coming to digital and video on demand March 5th, 2021. This dark, gritty, Cohen-esque thriller will show you what happens when one bad action leads to another and what it looks like 
when you get drawn into a downward spirit of finality and viciousness. Richard, you said this was legitimate. They're closing the scheme down Thursday. Warrants, dawn raids, the whole shebang. You guarantee them on Tuesday. After an explosion of violence and darkness, who, if any, will return home? Starring Goran Bogdan, Kevin Guthrie, Amber Rose River, Charlie Palmer Rothwell, Stevie Spears, William Thomas, and James Lance. I want that money. I want it now. We heard him on the phone. Music by Paul Hartnell of the legendary English duo Orbital. Yeah, you can imagine how we feel. Dark Sky Films presents Concrete Plans. What's up, nerds? I am here with Will Joel, the writer and director of Concrete Plans by Dark Sky Films. Will, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Yeah, greetings from uh, England. Cool, cool. Uh, I've, I've, we talked a little bit before recording. I've had uh, the fortune of interviewing a few different people from over there, and I, I actually enjoy working the time zones out because I think going about our daily lives in, in different countries, we forget the time zones sometimes. Uh, so it's really cool. Uh, I feel like I'm talking into the future. Well, it's uh, the world looks pretty much the same. Uh, <laughs> about five o'clock over here. So, yeah. So, nothing big's happened in the next few hours for us. The world's still spinning this gotcha. afternoon. Cool, cool. So, your film, Concrete Plans, is set in the UK. Uh, what locations did you use? We shot in Wales. Um, um, there's some amazing mountains there. So, some of the biggest mountains in Britain. Are, are there so we shot in sort of the edge of Snowdonia so we were capital Wales is Cardiff on the coast we were an hour and a half or so north of that up in the up in the mountains so literally was the the, the manor house you see in the film mm -hmm. was literally where there were about 25 30 crew living in that manor house and, and we had a couple of other cottages on that site and we were living in those as well so yeah the the characters in the film are sort of stranded in the middle of nowhere and and, and the, the tensions build and everything and the crew is kind of art imitates reality you know we were we were all stuck in the middle of nowhere trying to make a film in 15 days which was pretty nuts so you had a now was the the 15 days your personal goal or was it a goal given to you it was a goal very much given um i think it started off it was going to be 24 days and it, it kept every time you know, we hit a bump with the budget in the run-up. It went down and it was supposed to be 18 days to shoot it, which was going to be very tight. And then about a month or so before I had the call from the producer, we, we've um, we've lost a chunk of money or something had happened and we need to cut three days out of the schedule. Um, so it was pretty nuts. Yeah. Wow. This is a thrilling horror movie with, to be honest, a kind of a modern noir feel is what I'd say. Um, I haven't read what critics or anything's saying, but it just felt like the old school noir with a modern twist. And then you threw in thriller and horror and you've kind of like birthed this movie out of those three genres. Uh, it was, it was with a little sprinkling of spaghetti Western as well. I think in there. Yes. 
A little bit. Yes, absolutely. It was it, it was very uh, gripping pretty early on because there was this uneasiness uh, early on when you're meeting the individual characters. And, and I'm not going to spoil anything during this. I'm going to, you know, because we've got to make sure that people see this to get the full feel instead of hearing us talk about individual moments. But as you're meeting each individual character, there are already moments with the characters you're getting uneasy because you're seeing different mentalities already somewhat clashing, whether it be physical mentalities of different places people are from, illegal immigration mentalities, and, and kind of a, a, an air about some people. And it's, it, it already builds tension there because you're like, well, they're already not going to like each other. And I've, I've worked with a lot of people I don't like with. And it doesn't help produce good work when you're working with people you don't like. Uh, was a lot of that written in or, or can you say that a lot of that was brought by each individual performer? Oh, it was very much in the script because there is the sort of dynamic that it is. It's about these kind of group of working men, the group of builders who go to renovate this this mansion house in the middle of the mountains in Wales, which is owned by this very sort of rich ex-military guy who's who kind of treats them like crap on his shoe. He kind of looks very much down. Like I think in Britain, we've got a lot more of the class kind of system. So you've already got that built-in divide between the guy in the big house who's inheriting this huge great pile and rattling around in it with his fiance who's amber rose river from the punisher and then you've got the builders that he puts up in a couple of i think port cabins you call them the same yeah, way you, yeah. Uh, trailer trailers yeah but a couple of trailers that are like literally the ones we shot in were we saved one from the from the dump it was it was literally ready to it was condemned and we had to strengthen the floors and all the actors oh. fell through so they really and they stunk filming in them so i mean you had you know, there's already a, a, and they were very cramped we were horrible to shoot in so they're very, you've already got the social tensions there and then even within the group of builders as you alluded to you know touching on a lot of sort of topical political things the last four or five years i think very much uk and us have been in lockstep and sort of moved towards maybe being a bit more insular looking and sort of slight more suspicion of outsiders so you've got one of the builders has come from uh, East Europe to to do labouring, which is very very common in UK. is barely a building site you go past without some people from you know the, the East European countries who are you know, I guess it's the the bare economics who are often paid half what the others are. And then even within the group of builders, you've got there's an uncle who's employed his nephew to get him out of London because he's got into some trouble, so just to get him away from everything. And you've got there's an old guy, the younger guy. There's there's all those sort of social tensions are bubbling away as you say right from the off and i think we just slowly bring that pot to the boil mm -hmm. until things things get pretty uh, gnarly yeah so your cast includes and i'm going to run through them here goran bogdan from fx's fargo uh kevin guthrie from fantastic beast and where to find them uh, and also uh the english game I believe he was also in i didn't get to see all of that uh, Chris Riley from Everest and the Battle of Five Armies from The Hobbit. I believe I saw him in. Uh, Amber Amber Rose uh, from, as you said, Netflix is The Punisher. And uh, she was also in From Paris with Love. And Charlie Palmer Rothwell from Dunkirk and Darkest Hour. Steven Spears, who I was, I have seen him in so much. When he popped up, I was like, holy crap. 
Uh, he's been in Star Wars Episode One, Aragon, Doctor Who, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, so much more. I have seen him. And when he popped up, I was like, is there some has he is there anything he hasn't been in? <laughs> um We've got William Thomas from Torchwood and Doctor Who and James Lance from Apple TV's Ted Lasso, which is is a hilarious show. Uh, if, if you haven't had a chance to watch that, I absolutely recommend it. It's very funny. So how did you gather? How did you amass this cast and, and crew? Because as I've said, I, I've seen Steven Spearson a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm so, so pleased with them. Um, we, you know, we had an amazing casting director called uh, Ollie Gilbert. Um, and to be honest, they were all on equity minimum, which is not a lot of money. The actors did it because they they loved the script. So, I, I, you know, as, as the writer of that script, absolutely knocked out by that. Um, we, you know, we, we were in development for five years because even getting the budget together was tricky. So, you know, I, I wrote lots of drafts of that script and made it tighter and tighter and tighter. But to get a cast of that caliber and because it was a low budget shoot, you know, there was, you tell the agents, yeah, 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 of course they'll get a green room and all their agent stipulation and all this. And it's, they were all, you know, everyone was mucking in together that there's the room you'll see in the film where is the dining room in the big manor house. That was basically the operations base where, you know, that's everyone would queue up, get their food out the hatch and you'd have, you know, Steve Spears and Amber Rose Rever sat next to a runner, just wherever there is. <laughs> it was, there was, there was very little airs and graces. Um, and to get such a great crew and I, a, a cast and the crew was superb as well um it was just yeah i I've, i feel feel blessed to have got it. it it came together we did there were as with any low budget film we had certain cast members that were attached and then dropped out because you know they'd get a netflix gig and obviously netflix money versus the pennies we were paying them they yeah. jumped which is understandable so even right up to the shoot we were having some actors drop out other ones join and it was very it was pretty hairy but that first, we had one day's rehearsal and we did a read through and we were sat in that manor house and just like you could get this tingle. And there was, there's such a sort of mix of accents around the table and different physicalities and ages. And you could see that the, the cast were doing the read through and just these broad smiles were breaking out. And because the crew were living in that house and the, the rehearsal was the one day before we shot, a lot of the crew were arriving with their bags for, for a month to shoot this thing. And just looking at the the table read taking place and just straight away going, I know that's Bob. I know that's, I know exactly who those characters are. And there was this kind of little, yeah, this moment where everyone kind of had this little smile at each other. Thinking, I think we might just pull this off. So yeah, massive respect to the, to the cast and director. And um, I couldn't be happy with that crew, with that cast. Mm -hmm. the crew as well. You know, the crew, <laughs> we worked long days. Um, um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still slightly amazed we pulled it off in 15 days. <laughs> yeah. Cause as after seeing everything that, you know, takes place in the film um, and I've had the ability to, to, to work on a couple of, of small episodic things with uh, crime reenactments. And I've been on stage most of my life. When you're given that kind of goal, there has to be so much that you do to put forth what the people are going to see and seeing the movie now, and seeing everything that takes place and knowing that that all done, was done in 15 days, because I'm like, that's half a month. I, I don't like if you start thinking in numbers, you're just like, I don't know, like, because this had to take this 
you know, to get to C, you had to hit A and B. And just to get to B had to be ridiculous within maybe a few hours or a day at most. So it was pretty in- intense to think 15 days produced this film. So it's definitely testament to your cast and crew and all the work. Now, this was produced by Rob Alexander, Kathy Spears, and Ian Davies. And I was interested to see that you got to work with uh, Paul Hartnell um, with, from the uh, English electronic, I guess, duo Orbital. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So how did, that, how did that come about? Well, Paul lives about a mile away from me here in Brighton. We're, we're in Brighton, which is kind of just an hour south of London on the coast. So I knew he lived down here. Um, and we had, you mentioned Rob Alexander, the producer. He had a mutual friend uh, who knew Paul. And Paul had moved into doing a bit of soundtrack work. He, he wrote the music for Peaky Blinders season two. Mm. Uh, and Orbital's music's been used in everything from Mean Girls to Triple X to Event Horizon. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's very cine literate. So essentially, we had a mutual friend who um, managed to hook us up. We, we went for a few beers, a few coffees, and literally over a year and a half before the film, I was just pinging playlists to him. He would ping me playlists back. And it was just very organic in that way. I mean, Paul is a, is a legend. He's, he's, you know, I guess it's EDM to you guys, Electronica to us. But yes. he's, one, he's one of the godfathers of, of, of that. I mean, Orbital, they've had mine Glastonbury. <laughs> they are huge. Yeah. Um, so to, to be working with him, I was absolutely, you know, I was honoured. And that was... That was a really great part of the process because because we'd had such a long run up to get to know each other's taste. I, I used to play in bands a lot, so I kind of I can speak pigeon music. Uh, I'm a, yeah, a fairly middling bass player, so at least I had that head start. Paul's very cine literate, and I can speak pigeon music, so it was a fairly easy conversation. Um, it wasn't made any easier by the fact that Orbital were were touring last last summer, summer before last before lockdown. And so he'd always, from the out, said, I must finish this soundtrack by this date. And of course, yeah, 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 we'll be fine in the edit. Of course, overran. So poor Paul was trying to score a unfinished film and hit a moving target as we were still basically re-editing the scenes as he was scoring. So lots of awkward phone calls. Paul, that beautiful bit of music you did us for that. Yeah, we've kind of cut the middle out of that scene now. Any chance you can rework the music? So there's a lot of back and forth. But bless him, he was, in fact, he emailed me this morning that, he moment this morning, the cut sent me the artwork. The soundtrack is being released on the 12th, which is a week Friday. So wow. the, film's, the film's out in America on this Friday and the soundtrack the week after, the Friday after. So, yeah, I mean, working with, with him. And he, was, he, he knows his stuff. He, he, he's mm-hmm. very great at doing soundtracks because he was saying he, he'd asked me not about what instrument or he's always about, he's asking about, okay, in this scene here, what mood are you after? What and it's very much he built it up for moods and atmospheres and what emotions is this scene? And so we talk in those contexts, and then we might lapse into talking a bit about music, and then he he'd mull it all over, go away, and then you know, in the next day or so, a file would arrive in the edit suite, and we'd open it, yeah, attach it to the scene, deep breath, pretty, pretty much. I think it was only once or twice that it was like it was slightly off the mark. Pretty much most times, it was it was pretty close to what we end up in the film first time he because i think with having that run up we developed a good understanding mm-hmm. so uh, speaking of of one of your your cast members has anyone ever told kevin that he looks like a young jason isaacs 
I don't know if it has. I can see what you mean, though. Um, no, Kevin. There were no, some quite... deliveries and some faces. I was like, that's Jason Isaacs. Like, <laughs> well, right. I'll tell you what, one little story with Kevin on set was, um, oh, there's uh, try hard not to give spoilers, but something bad happens to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that something bad was was actually on his birthday. Oh. So it was a Shakespearean that we did something bad to him on his birthday and then pulled him out of the the bad spot that he was in and dusted him off and all sang happy birthday to him and threw a surprise party. So yeah, that was um it was probably the grimmest thing he's had to do as an actor. And then then when it got showered up and then we uh, we all, all threw him a party, which was great. Well, that's good. So your background, um, did you go to school for film or theater? How did, how did this all start for you in your life? Um, it, weirdly, it didn't. I mean, I actually, I, I was a town planner, which I think you call like, you know, urban planner over where yeah. it, your side. So basically, I I always loved film and music was really my first love. Um, but you know, I was, I was going to be the first one in our family to go away and study. And my, my dad was very much like, I'm not giving you money to go and, you know, paint flowers and take photos and stuff you're doing something that's going to get you a job so uh i ended up doing town planning but i couldn't i still had the itch to scratch about doing music and film and things um i was playing a lot of bands i was writing songs and lyrics but they were starting to turn into stories so i was starting to move and i wasn't the world's greatest rock star musician so i kind of started writing short stories from those lyrics and then i went to an evening class and got spotted by someone who said you should write a film and he he ran a film company so he said you know you got six weeks write a feature script and um give it to me and they optioned it so i suddenly thought oh that's what i'm gonna do so i was i was screenwriting a lot for tv over here i wrote for horrible histories and bbc and channel four and things um made a music documentary called south coast which was about sort of how how hip hop, which is something so American, had sort of taken a hold around here in the sort of mm. south coast of UK and had found its its own voice, and just sort of built up from there. So I was a screenwriter, but then kind of got fed up with producers telling me what to do with the script. When I was thinking, well, when you write something, you see it in your head. So I yeah. kind of started, started directing um, just shorts and built myself up from there. I made a short film about eight years ago called Man in Fear, which which kind of got me to the point. That, that was about conceptual artists creating accidents as works of art so it's a bit out there but it was a thriller and that did very well and it was a it was a proof of concept for a feature so that opened the doors to me being in realistically a proposition to get a feature off the ground so that's the kind of fairly fairly meandering long way around the houses to get to this point really so where did this idea come from when did you start writing it well, this I wrote this as a short. There's a scene in the middle in the port cabin, without trying to give any spoilers away, where the builders, something bad has happened, and all the builders have done every night is sit in this horrible, stinking port cabin and play cards. So one of them makes this proposition, which is that, well, rather than throw away five lives and all of us go to prison, why don't we play a hand of cards? Loser takes the drop for this and the rest of us fill our boots and get out of here. And so I'd written a short that was a 10 minute short that was about that. And me and Rob were looking for a a low budget, cheap film idea. And low budget and cheap means basically handful of characters, middle of nowhere, isolated, not too many locations. And that idea came back to me. So I kind of grew it from the start to wonder how they got to that point. And then I wondered where they would go from there and grew it forwards. And we, we wrote a five page, I wrote a five page treatment from that. And we managed to get money from Film Wales to develop it. So that was the start. When did you start filming it? 
We shot it in March 2019. So, yeah, kind of, what's the God, two years ago now? Yeah, because I guess we, we were all ready to go beginning of last year, and then obviously COVID happened, so mm -hmm. everything kind of went into a bit limbo, really. So the, the pandemic basically affected you in, like, releasing it? Yeah, well, it's we were ready to go beginning of last year, which is pretty much just when it was limbering up. The trouble with that is a lot of film festivals, which it would have gone to to kind of make a splash, were cancelled or they were scaled right back, in which case, and they all went online, which is a that opens up a few issues with security when you have territories you're not going to release the filming yet and it's out there on a digital thing and it's so a lot of distributors were getting jittery about that but also a lot of film festivals either cancelled or scaled right back and if they're scaled right back they just want big names to try and make get noticed in, in everything so it's very hard for a sort of debut film to break through and we had a cinema run line, lined up over here in the UK for November but in October the cinemas shut again because we went back into lockdown so the, uh, we lost our cinema run so we're hoping if cinemas open here in a few months we might try and do a short run but obviously it's out on vod over here now so mm -hmm. it makes it a harder prospect um so yeah it's digitally released which is it's tricky because i think this is a film you mentioned at the at the head this that it's, it's got it's very very tense and as a communal viewing experience i'd, I'd seen it once in a cinema and man it, it's it really you could cut the tension in that cinema so it's a shame we we lose that in a way um but also when it's a digital release it's across so many different platforms you know it's on amazon and sky and all these itunes that it's very hard to get a sense if it's box if it's cinema you got to get the box office on monday and you can go to a cinema you can see the queue you can see how many people are in there you can feel the room so it's very fragmented we know we know it's making it getting a very loyal audience because we get so much social media feedback on it and all the rest of it. So we know it's getting an audience, but we, we probably won't know for another month how big that audience is. And it, I mean, it, it got cracking reviews over here. We, we premiered at Fright Fest. Um, yeah, and that, that was strange because that was supposed to be a cinema event at Leicester Square, which is the big cinema in London. And it went digital just at the last minute. Yeah. So when I was sent the, the I guess you'd call it a viewer, um, that was the first thing that I thought was we got about, I mean, I, I probably got about 10 minutes in and I was like, I really would want to see this in the cinema. I want to see this in a big whomping movie theater with surround sound and tension and dark and hearing the silence of people. Cause it's cause you know, there's that old adage that silence is deafening and in a good thrilling movie like this is, that's such a true statement because when you're in a theater experiencing this and you know, you've got hundred to 150 people around you, just quiet. It's louder than any cheer, any scream, any, it's just so much louder with silence. And about 10 minutes in, I was like, I really want to watch this in a movie theater. Like I, this, you know, this is great uh, to get this opportunity to get to view it before it comes out and to even get to like interview you. But I was like, I really want to see this in a movie theater. This this stinks that that we don't get a chance to see these movies because you know there's tons coming out, and this with the stream wars going on, like HBO Max are releasing their entire 2021 slate this year that would have been in theaters straight to their streaming service. So King Kong versus Godzilla, don't get to see it in the theater. You have to watch it at home on a streaming device because that's where we're at right now, and 
watching this, I was like, oh, this would be so amazing in a movie theater. So how, how many people did you get were, were there when you well, got to see it? We, we had about 300 in and it was it was a we did a screening down here in Brighton I guess because it's been a five-year process to get this film made you know every time I walk down the street I'm with someone oh how's the film going I just thought I'm just going to put a screening on in Brighton <laughs> invite everyone and say you, just, you can stop asking me you can see it for yourselves and <laughs> it was it was like you say it was you could hear a pin drop it was it was amazing we did a little Q&A after with the editor and Paul Hartnell we did a yeah so that was it was a great event but I mean just the tension in that room was superb and it was what was interesting was I, I totally I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I really I, I missed cinema and I missed seeing mm-hmm. films on the screen. So I was I was a bit trepidation about the Fright Fest premiere being digital. But it was it was weird because it probably, you know, the cinema only holds so many people. It probably actually had a bigger reach and it got to more people. And it was weird because, you know, I've, I've lived quite a few different places around the UK. And I was getting texts all day from friends who were going, oh, you know, I'm up, I'm up in Newcastle, I'm in Scotland, I'm in it, and so-and-so. I've got my, I've got my, my Fright Fest pass, I'm ready to watch it tonight. And everyone was sending photos of them with their, on the TV, all ready to go. And, you know, straight away after, the, after it screened, those, the, all the reviews came straight in. So it was a very, yeah, it was a strange experience. And a lot of people actually tweeting about, God, it was so tense in our living room because we were watching it there. I'm thinking, oh, I imagine that times 100 would have been amazing. But, uh, yeah, it's we we I guess we're in the middle of a pandemic, aren't we? Well, hopefully not the middle. Hopefully towards the end, but yeah, hopefully we have to make do. But it, I know that's that's the big yeah. Who could have foreseen this? I mean, mm-hmm. I totally agree. I'd, I'd love to see it on the cinema screen again soon. Um, we're hoping we do get a little run. That's good. So, without spoiling anything uh, major, what are what are were some of your favorite moments in the film, whether it be watching it take place or just being involved on set while they're doing it? What are some of your favorite moments? I think there's a couple of key card game scenes in the film and they were great. I mean, that portal cabin that we shot in, as I said, was, was stinky and it was small. And, you know, you want to go and talk to an actor, you've got to climb over six people to do that and then climb back. And by the time we, we finished shooting it there for two weeks, it stunk. and <laughs> So, so, weirdly it was in a masochistic way that those card scenes in there they were great we because we were working in such a small location we had to think on our feet so we wanted it to have that kind of late night poker feel but there was nowhere to, room to hide anything in there so we thought well actually we made this kind of shade light out of cardboard and gaffer tape and thought well let's it's as if the builders have made it they wanted to get a bit more ambience in there so they and that really helped give it this atmosphere and the actors were really sort of Weirdly, the, the, a lot of the actors hadn't didn't know how to play poker, so I had to teach them to play poker as well. Uh, and so, Chris Riley, who yeah, was said was in Everest and all sorts of things, he's in the new Guy Ritchie film. I had to teach him how to play poker, and he was the dealer, so I had to basically make sure the cards were in exactly the right order. You know, they're yeah. really actors don't want to. Oh, I'm just going to pretend they want to be it. They want to absolutely oh, yeah. give it. And so everything had to be just right. And that, that was. Those scenes were, were really tense, cramped mm. on top of each other. But just during the takes, it was just like absolutely everyone's just in trance because the actors were top of their game. And I think because it's an ensemble, they all sort of were no one wanted to get left behind or think that, oh, God, I'm getting acted off the screens. They just constantly raising their game against each other. So I think those scenes when everyone's around a table, which is like acting masterclasses just to watch, you know, some takes I'd just go, I have no notes. That was fantastic. Mm. It, was, it was just a joy to watch. Well, one thing that stuck out to me was you mentioned 
that it was an ensemble. If you had taken one character out, it would have been like removing a cog from a well-oiled machine. No matter who that character was, had had the nephew who, by more a little halfway through, I was already like. I'm ready for I'm ready to punch him in the face this character because <laughs> I was like he's performing it so well that I'm sitting here you know watching it on my laptop just like I want to punch you in the face <laughs> stop treating people terribly just so but if you were to remove uh, either Victor or James anybody from those scenes something would have been off something would have been different they they were all doing their part to make this machine turn easier and clear and simple and and beautifully Uh, so uh it's it just goes to show that so many people focus on like it's we're in award season right now for entertainment industry and so many people love to judge greatest actor and actress in a scene but some of my favorite moments in in all the years i've watched film is an ensemble like in a, in one scene, like if there's six, seven people and they're doing such good work that I'm like, in award season, we're not talking enough about the ensemble, these moments where there is no one over the other. It's all a team effort. And it, it this ensemble that you have is, the, the, like you said, is, you know, it's, it's a, like a master class, watching a master class. Yeah, and I'm jealous that you know you all got to be on set with that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, it, it's a strange. Some of the reviews over here have said it's it's a film with no real heroes, and it kind mm. of none of them. I mean, they I think several of the actors think they're the lead, um, but you know there isn't really a lead actor. It, 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 there's in terms of they all are very like I said it very important cogs in it because I had five years of development, so I wrote twenty plus drafts, and it was a lot of those were about getting the formula right getting okay well I've got too much of this character in and this character feels a bit thin so therefore I'll adjust it and um I, mean, I guess you know in screen terms you'd say we see we see Goran Bogdan who plays Victor first so that would tend to imply it's his story but then you know other characters uh, you know the Steve Spears character is the pivot that holds it together you've got Amber Rose Rever is a bit of a dark horse in there mm-hmm. um there's, you know, you've got, and they wouldn't end up where they were if it wasn't for the gym character played by Chris Riley. So they all. Yeah. Cause uh, early on when you're meeting all these characters before they go to the site, I immediately was like, he's a bad egg. <laughs> he's going to be a problem. <laughs> I was immediately just like, he is going to be a problem. I already am weary of this guy. Uh, and that just, he played it so well. Um, I guess another question I have is, were there any aspects or characters that you created for this that have drawn from any personal experiences or people uh, along in your life? Um, It's a good question. I mean, I I did bits of building work on on building sites when I was kind of, you know, a teenager, early 20s. And, you know, it was more... In, in terms of characters, there were bits of, you amalgamate bits from various people, but certainly when I had the bits of work on building sites, I did, you know, I was a long haired sort of student at the time. So obviously there's a lot of um, Mickey take and banter and the building sites are very kind of masculine pecking order hierarchy, trying to put other people down to raise your, your 
your position in the group. So I, I very much sort of wanted to bring that aspect to it. And also when I worked in on building sites, everyone's got the pub at lunchtime, coming back half drunk with lethal power tools. And so I kind of always thought there's no danger on a building site. Um, and I kind of saw, I thought they were a nice setting for a thriller because, you know, in, in, in the UK, you know, guns aren't readily available. So when things kind of turn bad, I wanted it to be very real and very grimy and visceral. And they use what's the hand is the, is the rusty power tools. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's any one character who, who was, no, they were all very much amalgams. They were all sort of bits from people, you know, and then something you've taken other aspects so I, I wouldn't i wouldn't like to pin any of them because they're not all particularly likable characters so i wouldn't like to pin any of them on any one person some of them were started as archetypes that like we have the because there were those spaghetti western references I, I nodded to earlier so you always in those have the kind of often have the old timer character and you have the kind of young psycho character so i sort of thought well let's take them take those archetypes flesh them modernize them and I always think whenever I pass a building site and see an old guy, you're thinking they've probably been paid cash in hand all their lives. They probably haven't got a pension lined up. And I always kind of think, God, when your back goes or your knees go, what yeah. happened? I always used to the question that I always used to think. Um, that saying really stood that, that, that motto, not really motto, but that just part of life when that one scene happens with the older character. Is he Scottish? he's welsh yeah welsh uh oh, i love beautiful accent beautiful accent um when that scene happens to him you know it's terrible but it delivers that oh you know he's done this his whole life and there's no 401k so what happens you know if we get past what's happening in the now and if this character goes on in his life. What does he do? You know, like what happens? And it, you don't really think about that uh, with, with laborers. And uh, we, we don't, as you know, a globe think about that enough for laborers. Um, but I guess another question, what's next for you? What well, plans? okay. I've got a few things in the pipeline. Um, the, I mentioned a short film I made called Man in Fear, which is about, it's a bit more, high concept about sort of conceptual artists who create accidents as works of art and that was so it was it was very much a thriller it's basically imagine if you're they they randomly select someone and you're named the subject to their next piece so we had luke treadaway in the short film who's been in loads of stuff um he suddenly everything around him becomes a lethal accident ready to happen and he goes into the police station and tries to say artists are trying to kill me and no one believes him obviously and so he's it's that old thing, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. So I made a short film of that, but it was very much intended to be a taster for the feature. But I, and it got a lot, it premiered in London Film Festival and played in a lot of festivals over in America and got a lot of interest. But because of these big elaborate accidents and set pieces, um, the budget was a certain level. So I was told we can't get you bonded, which means like insured basically. This isn't a first time film budget, go away, make a low budget feature and then come back to us. So. That's obviously what the point I'm at now. Um, yeah. And I've got a couple of TV things. One's, one's set on a sort of clinical drugs trial that isn't what it seems. And I've got one about and, and sort of some of them are a bit more high concept. I like to make things that have got a bit of a high concept, but they're set in the very everyday and grimy and real. So they feel believable. I've got one that's a bit more sort of Black Mirror sort of concept, but very set 
it's about about doping in the Olympics and about a guy who takes it to extremes and yeah. So a few things as I think most writer directors you you generally tend to have four or five kind of plates spinning because you never know which one's going to come off and which will crash to the floor. So yeah. Awesome. So I like to end interviews in a certain way, kind of like uh, my own little inside the actor studio. Um, so are you a fan of comic books? Or I am indeed. Yep. Uh, so Marvel or DC? Yeah, I, you know what? My, my, the comic book that I grew up on over here was 2000 AD, which is Judge Dredd and all of that. Judge, um, gotcha. But I, but I think in terms of Marvel and DC, probably Marvel. Um, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got a kid who's at the age is loving the Marvel and DC films now, so I'm kind of going through a second uh-huh. uh, relationship with them. But, but the, the comic that it was Judge Dredd in 2000 AD that for me, um, I grew up on. That was my, my, my all-consuming as, as a kid. <laughs> Who's your favorite superhero? Oh, um, that's a good question. Uh, I'd probably say Batman because he's nice, psychologically complex. You can Absolutely. take it. Dark Knight, and I like I love the Dark Knight comic. Um, that was that was one I really did kind of as a kid really um, get into because that was Alan Moore, I think, and he. Mm-hmm. Was a god. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like I like the fact that him you can take him dark and, and he's still. A oh superhero. yeah. So who's your favorite villain? Well, in the in comic book villain. Or how about all media? All media villain. Oh, that's a that's a doozy. Um I, I kind of like it when it's someone who's very everyday. So I mean, references to this were things like I don't know, best laid plans, shallow grave. Mm-hmm. So someone who you wouldn't expect it's, it's that thing of ordinary people put into extraordinary circumstances and they find where their moral compass is mm-hmm. they find that their moral compass is a little more skewed than they they thought it was um so maybe something like simple plan best laid plans the characters in that that end up doing things that or even they think about breaking bad and walter white and where oh, the yeah. goes on where it starts off you know in mild mannered chemistry teacher who's got terminal illness to, to the Beelzebub that he turns into. Yes. So I think that's a hell of a character arc. So some, something like that, where it's an ordinary guy who, who or person who just ends up in, in the bleakest place. But if you've taken believable steps to get there, you go on that journey. And it's quite nice going on that downward spiral. I like, I like films like, you know, you look at uncut gems and good times mm-hmm. where it's just, you go on this roller coaster into hell with a character and you kind of don't, we talked about this being a sea gripper and that tension. I mean, those kind of films, those, those bad rides, I quite like those yeah. films. So what's your favourite scary movie? Mm, um, you know, just before we started recording this, we're talking about seeing, seeing movies that we saw inappropriately young. And I saw Omen when I was about eight and I didn't sleep for about a month. So I'd probably say I haven't watched it recently, whether it stands up or whether it feels a bit hokey. I don't know. But at the time, that gave me a lot of sleep this night. And finally, tell us how we can watch Concrete Plans, how we can find your film. Right. Well, Concrete Plans is out on Friday. It's out on Amazon Prime. It's out on Fandango, um, Vimeo on... So there's loads of different platforms, uh, Microsoft, um, iTunes, pretty much any digital viewing channel you can find it's on. And also we are getting a few um, virtual cinema runs as well. So if you check that's on a sort of, I know 
Kansas, Oregon, um, I think Philly. There's a few places where in normal times it would have been on the big screen, which, you know, mm -hmm. we're saying gosh, that would have been great. Obviously, cinemas to stay alive are doing virtual cinema. So at the moment, it's popping up in virtual. So every day we're getting new virtual cinema bookings confirmed. But it's it's definitely on all, all pretty much every bar Netflix, I think, is on every digital um, channel at the moment. So or will be as of Friday. So you can see it digitally anywhere from Friday. Um, Voodoo as well. I think it's on there. It's on, on yeah, everywhere. So how can people keep up with you? And uh, are you on social media? Yep, there's a Concrete Plans Facebook page. So if you go on the Facebook page, that will that's constantly updated. I've, I've put some bonus scenes up there. There's a there's Q and A's. There's there's the UK trailer. There's some behind the scenes bits up there, and that I'll post news of where it's released because there's new channels being added all the time. We just just done a deal with Latin America this afternoon, so it's going to be released there. And you know the things if there's there's new new cinemas in the US being added all the time and. Who knows? Maybe we'll get some physical cinema screenings at some point. So, yeah, Concrete Plans page on Facebook will give you the news and updates on all of that. Awesome. Will, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk about this. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I can't wait till it releases uh, to where I can watch it without, you know, little digital letters saying for preview only <laughs> on it. I uh, can't wait to see the success that it it brings you um, very hopeful. I uh, hope to touch base with you down the road and uh, talk about, you know, where you are next. So I'll definitely continue to follow your success. Well, thank you very much, Tyler. That's been, it's been great. It's been, been, a, been, a, been a great experience. Thanks so much. Well, thanks. Cheers to you, brother. Cheers and you. Bye. Well, man, that was a lot of fun. I wish you could have joined in with me. Um, you were at work it was it's a it really is a great movie i can't wait to get to show it to you it's got a lot of great thrilling moments it really does keep you on the edge of your seat and you're i even found myself the first time watching it on the edge of my seat and even when the credits were rolling i was still sitting on the edge of my seat it really is a good movie it comes out march 5th on digital and video on demand it's called concrete plans i definitely definitely recommend this movie Hope you all check it out. Uh, if you do, let us know. 30 Nerdy Pod on Twitter. Email us. Rev, that's all I got, man. The tank is 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 running on, on the E, on the fumes. It is late, my friend. It is late. Yeah, we uh, do these uh, late night pods, but when the babes are up, it's near impossible. It's nigh impossible. Unless you lock your door. And even then, I guarantee you, Just June would find a way to weasel in. You'd be like, how'd you get in here? The door's locked. She's like, I don't know, Dad. I don't know. She'll go, I don't know. I snapped my fingers, and now I'm here. I don't know. And Cash would be banging on the door. So it'd be probably impossible both ways. Mm -hmm. Littlins, what can you do? Well, I look forward to seeing you, my brother. And always, always enjoy this. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And nerds, you take her easy. If you have any questions, any answers, any any feelings, what do you think about Pokemon? Have you are you going to see the movie? What's going on in the nerd news? Whatever you have to talk about, we want to hear from you. Thirty and Nerdy Pod at gmail.com or just find us anywhere on social media. We're all over the place. 
easily. And we've got a lot of great stuff coming up soon. Uh, after the one division finale, the council of nerds is going to get back together again. I enjoy it. Looking forward to that. So that's definitely coming on the horizon and season two of the road so far will start very soon. Uh, very excited to get back on that. Uh, it was a great first season nerds. Thanks for tuning in for the rev of rants. I'm Tyler Mack. This is the 30 and nerdy podcast. Cheers to your nerds. You've been listening to the 30 and Nerdy Podcast, the flagship show of Badcast Company Productions. Thirty and Nerdy Podcast is an alternate reality radio show, a member of the Legion of Independent Podcasts, and part of the Council of Nerds. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Join in on the conversation using the hashtag 30andNerdyPod. You can find us and other amazing podcasts at podchaser.com by searching The Apodalypse and PodNation. Got something to say? Email us at 30andnerdypod at gmail.com or find us at 30andnerdypodcast.com. This has been the 30andnerdypodcast. Cheers to you, nerds. Nerds.